Good to have you here on this Tuesday. Kevin Thomas, Ben Troop, glad you're with us. Thanks for making us a part of your days. We're also streaming live ESPNCoastal.com and uh, online at uh, our Facebook page, Twitter page, and YouTube. Go find us on YouTube at ESPN Coastal. Love for you to follow us along there on the show each and every day. But so much to get to uh, here on the show, Ben. We'll talk with Cedric Baker, Savannah State uh, head women's basketball coach. They're now 14-0, and 8-0 in conference play after defeating uh, Clark Atlanta yesterday. And he will join us coming up in just a little bit. Also, Logan Booker, 960 The Ref in Athens. We'll get the very latest coming out of Athens with all of the uh, I'm going pros, with all of the I'm coming backs, with all of the transfer portal guys uh, and things happening there in Athens. We'll get the very latest with Logan Booker coming up. And in the final hour of the show, Teron Davenport, who covers the Titans for ESPN's NFL Nation. He will join us and uh, look ahead to round number two of the NFL playoffs and uh, and Ben, the NFL playoffs week one, obviously of the super wild card uh, weekend. Now that we have that uh, thrown out there by the NFL uh, again, I, I Christian kind of made a joke to me yesterday. He said, Hey, all the college football guys are like, <laughs> we get nothing but blowouts. And I think out of all the NFL all right. games, we had what one or two relatively close games outside of that. Yep. They were pretty much uh, butt kickings uh, there in the national football league. You know, Kevin, that's the, isn't that football, though, like the uh, regular season, you know, you're hopefully winning enough games, you know, to make it into the show. But everything that you work, everything that, that is a bad tendency for you during the season comes, excuse me, comes out during the playoffs. And, you know, Bill Belichick and, you know, Mac Jones, reason why, you know, uh, no, no Tom Brady uh, last year, didn't make the playoffs. You get Mac Jones this year. Excuse me, um, him and uh, Josh McDaniels, great rookie season. But, Kevin, they kicked the ball off. And Buffalo, they exercised a lot of demons. They said, dude, I am sick of these Patriots. Got a big dub. Hold on. <coughs> my, my apologies. But um, San Francisco, San Francisco, they did it for everybody. Dallas, they're done. <laughs> Don't want to hear about it. I mean, the Eagles. Jalen Hurst made it in Tampa Bay, and that was a mm. Then you got Kev Klingsbury, Arizona, Odell Beckham, what, uh, Stafford? Odell Beckham can't play no more. Okay. Matthew Stafford. No look in Detroit. Got his first playoff win. What is your consolation prize? You get to play, you get to play uh, Green Bay? No, no, no. <coughs> No, apologies, man. I got something in my throat. <laughs> but uh, all in all, Kevin, I think it was a great weekend. Hold on. Yeah, I, I will, we'll let you recover, Ben. Uh, go grab some water or something real quick. I know, uh, we'll, we'll bring Ben. <laughs> but, yeah, the, yeah, the NFL weekend, uh, certainly uh, for all that talk of, uh, you know, hey, the expanded playoff. Look, I'm an expanded playoff guy. They can't all be tremendous football games. And I think what's uh, going to happen in any playoffs, it's a second season. The cream's going to rise to the top, and I think that's what you saw. I mean, Buffalo at home was a motivated football team, and they took it to New England. That game was over before it ever really got started. Uh, it started good, and uh, you know I think that's in any playoffs, you're going to see the elite teams rise to the top and get it done. Again, you had some, some good games with Dallas and San Francisco. I think you, uh, you had some of those matchups that were bad, but I think in any playoff setting, Ben, I mean, look at March Madness. 
for as much as we all look at March Madden, that's the biggest bracket we have going, right? I mean, that's uh, 68 teams. And people are like, oh, love the upsets. Uh-huh. Yeah, but but how many games in the March Madness bracket are 20-point butt kickings? We just focus on the three or four uh, or five of the 32 first-round games. Out of 32, maybe five uh, came down to the buzzer and were upsets and all that. The rest are 10, 12, 15-point wins at times and maybe aren't all that interesting. I think that's just a product of a playoff, no matter how you do it. Uh, and again... I don't think just because the Super Wild Card Weekend went this way, it's an yeah. indictment of the fact that we shouldn't have them anymore. Mm-hmm. I just think, look, uh, in any kind of playoff like that, the teams that are hungry, the teams that are motivated, the teams that are better are going to rise to the top and take care of business. And I think you saw a lot of that uh, there this weekend. Cincinnati Kevin might be the most dangerous team still left in this thing because they're so young and they ex- – I, and I and unfortunately, when it comes to the team, uh, you know, Kevin, you you get the good, you inherit the good and the long history of the bad, you know, as a, as a, as it pertains to you know, uh, you know what goes on with Cincinnati, very very impressive. Dang it, Raiders! Like you was right there, Derek Carr. There's a guy by the name of Hunter Renfro. He gets open a lot, and he usually get open right at the snap of the ball. That 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 that's just that's just getting back to because that's another team, Kevin, that hasn't won. You know, it's funny you end up having teams that haven't won. Like the Raiders ain't won a playoff game in a long time. Cincinnati. I mean, none of these players was born last time they won one. You talk about the Dallas Cowboys and and the the uh, I guess like the prestige of the star. Like everybody knows, right? San Francisco finally got them out. You think when you think about this Bills team, they might they put they put the NFL on notice. We don't want to beat you. We want to beat the brakes off you. They beat the brakes off of you know the Patriots who for for the, what the last ten years, Kevin. I mean, they have been the gold standard. You know, International Football League, because you had to come through them. You talk about Cliff Kingsbury. I talked about it earlier with him. And the Arizona experiment with Cliff Kingsbury, one thing, Arizona is getting ready to re-sign Kyler Murray. Is Kingsbury going to be Kingsbury going to be there when they do that? We will see Sean McVay, the great Sean McVay. He, he gets another He gets another, uh, another game. But Tom Brady, no Antonio Brown, no Leonard Fournette, no problem. They still went out there and just handled Philadelphia. I give a lot of teams a lot of credit, you know, for the way in which they played and, you know, battling back. Joe Burrow doesn't lack confidence. You know, uh, Josh Allen has proven why, once again, Kevin, the, I, I, he's the real Josh Allen. I take nothing away, BJ. I know he's not here today. The other Josh Allen down there, the other Josh Allen <laughs> yep. down there in Jacksonville. But I do. I think you I think you make a good point. Just because it's a blowout, it's a one-game tournament. Everything you did well in the regular season, you hope can continue it in the postseason. And everything you did bad, you hope it doesn't get exposed. But every team, we what we say about Dallas can't handle the moment. You, everybody, the ghost of Tony Romo is hovering over the Dallas Cowboys right now. Cause you, C.D. Lamb, Dak Prescott, Amari Cooper, Pollard, Mika Parsons, Trevon Diggs, Demarcus Lawrence, Vandenesh, L. I mean. I, I don't get it. I mean, forget the star on the helmet. That's a lot of star power. You have the potential defensive player of the year, not named T.J. White and Javon Diggs. You got the runaway defensive rookie of the year, you know, and Michael Parsons. Didn't matter. So, yeah, Kevin, I think it was a good week. I, I like the super wild card weekend. I think I think it lived up to it. People are going to look at the final result because their team didn't win. Well, if you're a Dallas Cowboy fan, you deserve everything y'all get. Y'all, what would make you think Dallas is going to win it? These players was born in the late 90s, early 2000s. The only reason why they know who Michael Irvin is and Troy Aikman is and Emma Smith is is because they hang out around the facility all the freaking time. They don't know, but yeah, Kevin, I do think it lived up to it. But now, as long as Tom Brady's still in it, 
Aaron Rodgers get to, get to throw his hat in this weekend, I think the game should only get better. Uh, yeah, and again, now you're dealing with truly elite quarterbacks, uh, I think, coming out there. I mean, Matthew Stafford, you can say what you want. He's always been uh, been a big-time arm. I, I, I know people wouldn't put him in the elite category, but in terms of potential talent, he's certainly been up there. Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, as you mentioned, up there. I think you said Josh Allen is on a uh, an ascension the last handful of years to become one of the best quarterbacks in the league. I think he's going to need – a few more playoff wins. I think maybe an appearance in the Super Bowl would help uh, to kind of solidify that as one of the uh, the best uh, young quarterbacks in the league. But, yeah, I, I, I look at it and say, look, they can't all be three-point ball games with somebody kicking yeah. at, 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 with two seconds left. And I think sometimes we get spoiled by the, by the good games that we get in the NFL playoffs that we forget that, look, those are not the way. Like we, we look at the Super Bowls and say, uh, was it New England and the Rams where it ended on the one yard line? Yes. Or or the uh, the Seattle uh, just run the ball uh, game against oh, yeah, uh, against New England. Yeah, yeah, just, yeah, just hand the ball off the. Just like hand every, ball but off you the think every game, everything's yeah. going to end on the goal line yeah. with no time left. It, it yeah. doesn't happen that way, and and I don't think that it means that it's that those teams didn't deserve to be in the playoffs. I think look, you in any league, you have really good teams, you have teams that are all right, and you have teams that stink, and that's at every level. And I think. You're in the when you're in that first round of playoffs. You're getting some teams that are okay. Maybe they could win a playoff game, but if they lose, nobody's really all that shocked. And I and I think that's kind of what you saw some of this weekend. Where it's like, was New England capable of winning a playoff game? Sure, but they got good Buffalo, and good Buffalo is going to beat a lot of people, and, and that's that's going to happen. And I think that's what happened in, in some of those instances. And, and Kevin, the thing is too, right? Look. We ain't giving credit to the teams that ex- that uh, haven't been here in a while. Buffalo don't know about beating the brakes off nobody. In the, <laughs> I mean, it's been a long time, right? It's been a long time. Cincinnati hasn't won a playoff game. They just give now they went to a bunch of them under Andy Dalton, you know, and Marvin Lewis, but they didn't win any of them. And they finally won one. The people act like, I mean, look at what Joe Burrow means to that franchise. It's Jamar Chase and T. Higgins, you know, and those guys. I mean, you got a lot of young talent surrounded surrounded uh, surrounding uh, Joe Burrow. <laughs> Dallas. I just don't get it. All this talent, and it just it just keeps happening. Now, Kevin, once again, we're gonna talk about this. Kevin, has, Kevin has won me over. There are no curses, people. Now, my brain started it, and obviously the Georgia Bulldogs ended it. But you yeah. gotta ask yourself: you just don't make plays. That's really what it well, is. Well, you, you look at Arizona, right? Came out, came out the rec, uh, the first what, eight, nine games of the season. Can't nobody beat them. Then they just—I don't know what happened. I don't know if it was because the De- DeAndre Hopkins got hurt. But they just can't get it done. JJ Watt, the other, the 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 big the, the the older JJ, you know the older Watt, not TJ. He was like, dude, we just, we just didn't get it done, man. I mean, you got Cincinnati head coach uh, giving game balls out to like local local businesses because 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 it means that much, right? But I will say, Buffalo, Cincinnati, you know, uh, and the Rams. I mean, the Rams are a Johnny Come Lately team too. I mean, I know that Sean McVay has been good since he got there. But you're doing this with a total different set of players. I mean, Von Miller, uh, Jalen Ramsey, Odell Beckham, Matthew Stafford got his first. So you got some really, really good storylines. But if your team won, you good. If your team got blown out, they were just good in the regular season, Dallas. And they're not that good in the postseason. And some of these teams are live, uh, carry on a legacy that they kind of want to you know, put in a rear view, but it's going to take another year to do that. Well, I mean, and again, that's the thing. I always find people, and, and Cam talked about it. I'm not picking on Cam, but I always hear people hating on the Dallas Cowboys. Like, oh, the Cowboys. Oh, they st-. I mean, when I was in middle school, I think that's fine. You could thumbs down. When I was in middle school, this is this is the team in high school. This was the team with Aikman, Emmett Smith, Michael Irvin. They were dominating the National Football League. They are not cursed 
because of Jerry Jones or anything else. They are a team that has won Super Bowls. If you are hating on the Cowboys, check how many bowls, how many Lombardi trophies you have in your crib because they have plenty. Mm-hmm. So, I, I, so I, I'm, I'm looking at it and saying, look, these are just teams that are not good enough to get it done individually with the Dallas Cowboys. What happened on uh, the, the, over the weekend with Dallas? That that that's football awareness. Yes, that's not a curse. Oh my God, that's not you know that's not and, a curse. And, and, that's and, that's and, we, and we're giving. And we, just imagine this, Kevin. If if that's Maddie Ice. If Matty Ice did what Dak Prescott did, we'd be saying the same thing. We're going crazy. If Cam did that, we go. Let's let's face it. At the end of the day, football comes down to clock management, big time decisions, and and football awareness. Well, Mike McCartney, I don't care what nobody say. He's all right as a coach. People go, no, he is. Yeah, he is. He had the two greatest Green Bay Packers in franchise history. He had Brett Favre and he had Aaron Rodgers, and he went to one Super Bowl and won it. That's it. That's what he did in 13 years. Then you give him Dak and all these weapons. Dak ran the football and spotted the football on his own. Dak got his own <laughs> set of rules. And then after the game, he was like, well, he used the word, well, we got to have more weapons. No, 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 no. We didn't do that. You did that. You ran. And look, if, if, you, if they're going to let players start spotting the football, oh, it's only going to be first down. It was 30 to 16. Well, well, I spotted that. That's the first down. <laughs> so it happens, Kevin. I mean, the moment sometimes, you know, gets away from it. But, uh, hey, man, shout out to all the teams that advanced. I mean, I'm not here to. Make excuses for no teams. You're in the National Football League. You get paid to play football. Handle your business, and, you know, you'll be in the winner's circle. Yeah, we'll talk more about that as we go throughout the show here on this Tuesday. We've got plenty to come. As we said, Logan Booker, 960, the ref in Athens, going to join us next hour. We'll get the very latest of the comings and goings there uh, with the Bulldog program. Teron Davenport, who covers the Titans for ESPN's NFL Nation, he will join us coming up in the final hour. Obviously, the Titans are back in it now in the playoffs, and we'll get his thoughts on the Titans in Cincinnati could be very interesting uh, ball game there coming up uh, this weekend. So we'll get to all that more. Cedric Baker, Savannah State women's head basketball coach, set to join us here on the show. They are 14-0, 8-0 after a win last night. Hey, Kevin Thomas, Ben Troop, here with you on 3 and Out. College basketball season in full swing. And right here along the coast, Savannah State women's basketball team having a tremendous year. They are off to a 14-0 start, 8-0 in SEAC play, including a 92-57 to win yesterday over Clark Atlanta University. Uh, their, head foot, their head basketball coach, excuse me, I'm in football, but their head basketball coach entering his uh, 17th season there at Savannah State. Cedric Baker joins us here on 3 and Out. Coach, welcome to the show. How are you? Fine. How are you doing? Uh, thanks for having me. Hey, we appreciate you coming on. Speak to this start that you guys have gotten off to, 14-0, 8-0, uh, in conference, scoring a lot of points. Uh, going back and looking uh, over your last what eight nine ball games, closest margin uh, of victory for you has been eight points. It's usually uh, up in the double digits. Speak to the way this team has come out and played for you this season. Well, uh, definitely. Uh, again, thanks for having me on today. Uh, the young ladies have definitely got off to a great start, and um, I'll just contribute to that. To them just not being overconfident, uh, they've definitely bought into just preparing themselves to go out and be successful. You know, each day, you know, in practice, and uh, it has just been a carryover into the game. But for the most part, you know, just coming off, you know, last year's season, uh, coming into this year. It was just a matter of uh, simplifying things and just, you know, putting the kids in the best position to be successful. And, uh, you know, they bought into that and um, just overall just being efficient. And, of course, you know, being able to play defense and play on both sides of the basketball. And uh, we've had some success. But, you know, it's just taking one game at a time. 
I mean, coach. I mean, playing playing on both ends is an understatement. I mean, I understand when I, every 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 basketball player that plays wants to wants to score, but I'd be looking at twenty some points, eighteen rebounds. When you talk about being able to have that much energy on both sides of the court, I mean, you know, is that something that you preach to the players and say, listen, I understand we want to score, but we got to make sure we getting buckets. I mean, eighteen rebounds, you know, and that be your leading score. Just talk mm-hmm. about that mentality, making sure they have that, uh, making sure playing on both ends of the floor. Uh, well, you know, of course, you know, we preach, you know, having each other's back, you know, being a sisterhood, you know, amongst the team, being a family. Um, but I, I can definitely say without exaggeration, this team really gets along. They really get along really well off campus, on campus, you know, on and off the floor. And uh, I'm just a firm believer what you do off the floor is a direct correlation of what's going to, you know, happen on the floor. So um, they share the basketball. You know, we might have one guard, might hit 25 that night, you know, might have a forward, might, you know, score 22 the next night. So it's been a balanced attack, but, um, you know, I contribute that to the young ladies just being able to share. And um, if someone is open, hey, feed the open person. And if they're hot, keep going to them. So they've been able to make those adjustments from night on, night out, um, every, every night, you know, because, of course, the opponent has a has a game plan too. So if someone has led us in scoring, you know, consecutively, you know, two three games out, of course, you know, the defense is gonna, you know, the scout report is gonna, you know, pay attention to to that one person. So we've just had, you know, some young ladies step up, you know, um, in in those situations and and have big nights. But we do have a balance attack um, from from our primary ball handlers to our our wings and and our posts. But they definitely prepare you know, each and every day to uh, be successful if given the opportunity. Cedric Baker, head women's basketball coach at the Savannah State. Uh, Jordan is here on 3 and Out. And, and Coach, just want to ask you, as a head coach, obviously you've been doing this a long time. What have the last handful of years, a uh, couple of years, been like as a coach? Obviously trying to continue a program uh, moving forward with, with COVID, keeping consistency in your program, not know, hey, you could be playing on Tuesday night, maybe you're not playing on Tuesday night. Maybe you have your full roster. Maybe you have nine players. What has that been like as a coach for you just trying to handle the unknown logistics of the, the last two or three years here? Uh, information. You know, information is powerful. Just, you know, um, equipping ourselves, you know, uh, relying on um, our experts, our medical experts, just getting the most information we can to share, you know, with our teams. So um, the more information they have, you know, when we do have to step away, make adjustments, um, it's well received. But, um, of course, you know, we definitely um, just try to keep the main thing the main thing, and that's continue to go to class if it's in person or if it's in the virtual space. And um, if we have to travel differently, um, just continuing to, you know, preach the same message. And that's, you know, let's just prepare, you know, to win games and to graduate from college. So we just want to keep that, you know, um, in the forefront and and not hold anything back from our players. Um, just provide them with all the information um, that we can, and and also you know adversity. You know the the likelihood that you know maybe some games canceled, or maybe some players may have to step away. But um, we just want to have a program where everybody is is involved in player development and that that's been the beauty of it all that we have given all of our players equal amount of attention if it's strength and conditioning if it's individuals if it's the offense defense so they all um, are prepared if they you know have to step in for for whatever reason 
And, Coach, obviously you guys are undefeated thus far in the season, and I know when you're preaching uh, the fundamentals, when you're preaching, uh, you know, getting back on defense, those things, you know, when those things start showing on the court, how much how much more competitive is it when you guys are at practice and how much more is it more led by the players when obviously you guys got that O in the L column and, you, and the competition only seems to be getting better week in and week out? Yeah, uh, it's, it's definitely a, a good feeling, um, of course, when, when they see, you know, the, the fruits of their labor, you know, when they're able to watch them and be able to, you know, get another opportunity to um, replay those opportunities, be if it's do the same thing that they did that was a, a good thing or, um, or, 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 you know, address a mistake, you know, if given the opportunity, what would, what would you do different? What would you do the same? So um, it's just a matter of us checking in mentally, um, not getting too high, not getting too low, just kind of staying rock steady. And, and that has been our message uh, throughout the team. Um, so, of course, you're going to get everybody's best. Um, but we accept that challenge. We accept that challenge. Um, of course, we haven't, you know, won an SIAC regular season championship or a tournament championship. So we definitely have some goals um, that have um, in front of us that have also contributed to our focus at this point. Cedric Baker joining us here on Three and Out. And, and Coach, as you mentioned, uh, the, as Ben said, the longer this thing goes on, uh, how do you kind of downplay the the, the the undefeated stuff, the 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 fourteen and oh, the eight and oh versus like, hey, look, it's cliche, but just go get get the next game. We can't sit here and worry about finishing up uh, undefeated in conference and if we if we don't win the next one. Yes, um well well we try not to downplay it, uh, because we definitely want to um you know, want our success to definitely, you know, spill over into the alumni, of course, and uh, make them proud, you know, the institutions that they have attended. Uh, but, of course, um, at the end of the day, um, you know, once you get to the tournament, it's a new season. Of course, we want to continue to make history. In the school's history as it relates to women's basketball, and, of course, it'll be a great thing to um, – you know, win the uh, regular season championship and, of course, the tournament, and then you got the NCAA national tournament. And at the end of the day, we just want to be the last team standing and uh, make those goals, you know, realistic, you know. And uh, in order to do that, you just have to stay focused. But, um, of course, we do, you know, celebrate after every win. Believe me, we celebrate after every win, and then the next day we bring closure. So uh, we just we take it one game at a time, um, the, the work and the, and, and the celebration. And coach, I mean, I know you mentioned that you guys haven't won that that uh, that SEAC, uh regular season uh, title. I mean, y'all got a big one coming up on the twenty second. The reigning SEAC uh, champs uh, and Benedict. I mean, up there in uh, Columbia. Talk about the challenge they pose, and obviously, with you guys being undefeated, you guys are definitely going to get their best. We're going to get their best, and uh, Benedict College, you know, they have been the standard, you know, the past couple, you know, years in the SIC. You know, they've had, you know, their reigning champs. Um, they also have, you know, um, back-to-back, you know, player of the year, um, Ayana Bay, um, and they have good balance. You know, they have great experience, great coaching staff. Um, of course, you know, I started out at Benedict. I was there for three years, and then I had an opportunity to come to Savannah State. So I definitely know, you know, the pedigree of the program, you know, uh, what what their message is. You know, they're, they're, in, they're in, you know, big city, you know, Columbia, so they're accustomed to those bright lights. So um, if we're going to win a championship, it's definitely going to be won on the road. So why not get a test now? So I'm looking forward to, you know, going into that environment and see how my kids respond. 
Cedric Baker, head women's basketball coach at Savannah State, our guest here on 3 and Out. Coach, really appreciate the time. Congratulations on the hot start. Best of luck to you as uh, you continue forward here in the season. Again, thanks so much. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Cedric Baker, Savannah State head women's basketball coach, joining us here. And as Ben said, got a big one coming up uh, this weekend uh, there against Benedict as they are off to, again, a tremendous, tremendous start. We've got more to come here on 3 and Out, including a name, image, likeness. It's out there. And uh, are we getting overly creative? I'll put that in quotation marks with these deals. We'll, we'll break it down next. It's three and out on the Southern Pigs. Good to have you back here. Three and out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Kevin Thomas, Ben Troop. Glad you were with us. And uh, Ben, we'll, we'll talk obviously uh, some Georgia football with Logan Booker. 960, the ref in Athens coming up in just a little bit. And certainly a lot of movement in and out uh, there of Athens with guys going to the pros, guys coming back, guys entering the transfer portal. So we'll get the very latest there. But uh, college football is always in the news, Ben. And certainly name, image, likeness has been in the news in a roundabout way for going on about a year. A little bit less than a year ago when it really was like, hey, this is going to happen uh, moving forward. And we kind of knew this uh, was going to take place. A lot of people said, well, what's going to happen? And we saw a flurry of deals prior to the season. In the season, you didn't hear a lot about some of those things. And I don't think you really saw guys at the forefront. I mean, you did see who was it, DJU and some of the, you know, uh, Dr. Pepper. Yeah, big name quarterbacks, yeah. yeah. Some of those guys doing those kind of things. And then, as people went on and said, well, look, it doesn't seem to be any kind of rules to this kind of stuff. Like, you can give money to anybody under name, image, likeness. And I'm not saying that's bad. Don't don't take me wrong. But, you know, we've seen guys that have gotten big money deals, and you're like, like Texas, hey, we got a fund. We're, we're going to pay every lineman 50 grand. Well, now, is, that doesn't sound like I'm buying your name, image, likeness. That just sounds like I'm buying you, period, the end. And then you see Miami. A prominent alumnus, Ben, goes out, starts a company. I believe it's called Life Wallet. So maybe it's already worth it that I just mentioned the name on the air. But he started a company. A week after the company kind of went public and people could find out what it was, they announced all these name, image, likeness. So you barely have a company, barely have a product. You're handing out name, image, likeness deals. All the NIL deals are going to who? Players at the U. So... Is that a marketing deal? Is that a name, image, likeness deal? Or is this becoming uh, a slush fund just to simply pay your recruits to make sure they stay in my? I mean, because one of the stated goals, I mean, you saw uh, Drew Rosenhaus, who's an agent, yes. came out and said, these type of deals are important to keep the best players at the U and out of the transfer portal. Yes. That's not name, image, likeness. Yes. That's pay to stay. Yeah. That is not that. So, yeah. so I, I, I just wonder, like, are we reaching a point where it's getting a little ridiculous where, again, nobody said, hey, you can't go out and make money on yourself. Well, you're not making money on yourself. You're making money because you just happen to be there. If it was, I mean, some of these guys, if it wasn't you, it'd be whoever was there. Of course. Not necessarily because of you, which is kind of, to me, the whole crux behind name, image, likeness. So are we getting away from name, image, likeness, and are we just simply bringing the seedy underbelly of recruiting out to the forefront under the guise of, Name, image, likeness. I'm going to say all of the above. I'm going to say everything you just said. And, and, and Kevin, but think about think about that, that former Kane. What they're saying is, look, man, we want to take advantage of this. Why? We're not big-name companies. We're not established brands. But what, what But what do I have that those brands don't have? I'm a former Kane. What am I going to be able to And he's get? got $10 million, apparently. A, a, and, and absolutely. So, 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 and, so what happens is, Kevin, I mean, you, you said it. When you start talking about recruiting, if we if, – if we, if we really want to talk about recruiting, it's going to get ugly. 
We're talking about money. I mean, what happened in Tennessee is laughable. What, what people talking about money, because when you start thinking about it, people say, oh, they got these recruiting budgets. Look, man, I was recruited at one time, and the promises weren't made to me because I didn't play the premier position. But if I'm coming out right now, NIL deal, and somebody's going to give me money to come to school A, and school B say we got academics and academics and athletics. Well, they got that over here. But I'm getting cold, hard cash. Why wouldn't? Because you know, just like I know, Kevin, Georgia just shows you only one team going to win it, right? And if you ain't in the SEC or you ain't Clemson, Ohio State, that ain't happening for you either. So I think that when you, when you look at what, is, what it really is, it's almost like we say things to each other, but we hear something different. I can tell somebody to be quiet. I said, man, you told me to shut up. No, no. <laughs> I told you to be quiet. So when people hear NIL, they're thinking, all right, let's see what the rules of this thing are. And somebody says, that's money out in the open. Yeah. That we can't get in trouble for? No. So how do we do it? And I'm surprised. I mean, I, I mean, I, I, I mean, I, I would partner with, you know, a group down there at the University of Florida to try to help them do NIL deals, right? And I, you know, and I think what happens is, Kevin, what you're gonna start seeing is this. You're gonna have a former player or former players getting with a company that's gonna fund them. To help them, because the thing about the companies is this. Companies aren't used to negotiating with, quote, amateurs. They're not used to that. But, Kevin, it's like you said, right now the perception of the NIL is, 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 is alive and well. Because we don't, there aren't really, the rules are being written as it goes. We don't really know what it is. But the reality is setting in here sooner rather than later, and these players got to understand, right? Coming into college is about 70-30. More, more like 80-20. 80% where you went. 20% you. Now, the more stars you got next to your name, the position you, you get to start adding 21, 22, yeah. 23%. It's never going to be more than 50-50. No one will ever be as big as a school because they associate you with the team you're on. Now, Kevin, we talked about the, this time last year, you got the Bo Nicks, you got the DJUs, you, know, you got the Spencer Rattles. These dudes getting big-time deals. All those dudes are different schools now. So you think about the people that's in that region of the country that's saying, hey, what if – if I'm with a said restaurant that's only in one region of the country and I'm going to another region. So I will say contracts, people, it's, it's not for the person signing no. it. It's for the person giving it to you. They're like, look, we got to have language in this contract. That way when you decide, and, and it is another thing to these parents. Parents are used to helping they, they, uh, you know, their, their kids, these young men, when it's time to go pro. But you got an agent. Now, Who's speaking on behalf of these players? Because I'm telling you, Kevin, you are right. Yeah. When it comes to NIL, it's a good thing. Make no mistake about it. It's a good thing. But we, but it's a bunch of thousand ads. Anybody that's getting now. Well, I mean, now, but, 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 you, know, but you look at the Miami deal here. This is obviously a former uh, uh, Miami. He's a Miami booster who has basically created a company and mm-hmm. using that company to give deals to players. They have secured, according to uh, Darrenville, and uh, he posted this on Twitter, John Reese is the, the guy putting this together. Uh they handed out, they have secured $10 million to pay players. Wait a minute. Is that the new budget line under the company? We need NIL pay players. I mean, I'm sorry. Ben, you and I cover college football. Mm-hmm. Name, image, likeness usually is associated with what? Who you are and how well you are known, right? Mm-hmm. So you have certain guys. Tyler Van Dyke, Miami starting quarterback. Maybe if, you, if you're a fan of the ACC, you might know who that is. If you're a Miami Kane uh, fan, you might know who that is. 50K. Okay, not necessarily a problem. Then you start going down the list of eight, nine, ten other guys, and you're going, not sure I know who that guy is. Nope. But they're getting 42, if, if, 36. If you know who Van Dyke that's, is. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. So, so you're talking about guys getting from 50K to quarterback all the way down to 36K, and then I, I think this to me is where 
it, it 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 rubs me the wrong way. Not because because I think you're taking nil nil then and, and you, turning the rules. Drew Rosenhaus, this is the quote from him, and he said, and he's a UM grad by the way. Quote: This is giving the Hurricanes the opportunity to compete with Alabama and LSU, wrong. and will allow Miami to quote get. The best players and keep them out of the transfer portal. Is that what NIL is for? That's, that's what he's saying. No, no, I'm, that's what I'm no, saying. No. I'm, I'm saying from this, take a step back and mm-hmm. say, I'm the NCAA. I'm no. college. We all agree. Hey, we, go ahead, players. Make money on yourselves. This is the this is the schools basically setting up funds to do it. I mean, so and, and, but, I, 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 I think it's kind of become I, a, a but fake then I would market. Ask Drew, I would ask Drew. I would say, okay, you know, you you listen. You're not gonna. Drew Rosenhaus is doing what what an agent's supposed to do. I'm speaking on behalf of my alma mater, <laughs> as well as the region of the country that I that I represent, that I live in. So I get it. But when people people always say that, right? This is how we're going to compete with the Georgias and the LSU's and the, and the, and the Clemson of the world. What do you mean by compete? Like what? Be, what? Stay on the field with them? You haven't been to an ACC championship game yet? Oh, they've been to one. Well, they've been to one. So you so so you want to <laughs> you want to compete with the teams? Playing for natties, you can't even represent your side of the conference that you're in. Now, he makes a good point, but this is the thing. There are things that you're only supposed to think and not supposed to say <laughs> out loud. Because Drew Rosenhaus, he's an agent. Yes, I'm a recruit right there, you know, Miami. I mean, he's had all those Miami players that came through there, right? But at the same time, he ain't throwing up no money. See, that's like saying, hey, man, of course, they're going to get the best player. Oh, you put, no, I, no, I ain't putting no money in it. Why? <laughs> no, 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 I'm what, not doing it. Because, but was NIL designed to get the best players and keep them out of the transfer portal? I, I, now, I, now, I know it was definitely, it was, now, it was a pitch to get the best players. Most definitely. It's a pitch. Sure. Now, Kevin, I don't know if an NIL could keep you out of the transfer portal because this is another thing, right? NIL is supposed to make it so that they can make a couple of dollars. Like the best way to sum it up is this. These NIL deals mean so players – you know, they don't have time to work. Their schedule is so crazy. Now, I'm, they're not going to let me come to work from 1 to 3 or, or, or I don't know, 6 to 9 every day. And, and on the weekend, on Sundays, they're going to let me work out. No, there's a chance for them to make a couple of dollars. But this is, this, is, this is the other thing, you know, that's not being talked about. The product on the field. Because, see, the NIL deal you get once you're there is because you're there. The, 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 the opportunity for that deal going up. It's based on how you playing, how the team is playing. So if the team Miami is not not getting players because they can't they ain't got money to pay them, they ain't getting players because they not competing in that conference. That's why you're not getting it. And look at the location. Listen, if kids don't want to go to Miami, just look at the location first. Nope, don't want to do no. it. Where you going? <laughs> so I do think Kevin, when you think about NIL, because let's face it now, people don't like this. All right, these new companies coming up, let a big company come, an established company that's been had budget money. They, they will they will get rid of y'all really really quickly because if you offering if you offering fifty k and they offering hundred k oh why did y'all don't want to start this thing just I, I do think I do think well, do Kevin you, is going to be healthy but Kevin you know just like I know eighty five guys on the, on the team eighty five guys ain't getting no nil deal it's not happening and that's the thing you creating division because it took me going to college to let me know that I can actually go pro and it took me being at these practices to realize what it take to compete just on the practice field some of these guys want. Be saying, look, man, I got to get the most money I can because this is it. I'm not, I'm not going to the combine to getting these things. But the Drew Rosenhaus of the world, think about this: the same guy speaking on behalf of quote the players ain't giving out no money. And when that said player wants to go pro and he ain't gonna be a top pick, Drew gonna be like, eh, sorry, man. Like I'm only dealing with the ones gonna put money in my pocket. It's gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna get crazier, Kevin, before it kind of settles, before the dust settles. But you know, just like I know, Kevin, these nil deals. 
it's that's a lot of people you dealing with now because the NFL it ain't but so many players yeah. and they, they got contract and they got they got agents. But but I mean you know, I, you know I've I've said this every school's got a booster or two or yeah. three or a hundred. As, as then you and I have talked off air and said, look, people don't even realize how much money you're flowing to to through these schools. And yeah. you said, look, the University of Florida, for example. You said it, I think was it uh, you have a friend that works in the the, yes. the, the, the one of the departments of yeah. uh, forgiving or whatever, and you yeah. said hey he, he got he, a, he, he works in the booster but department, it, but, yeah. but, he, but he got a, a phone call. It's like hey I'll 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 give you twenty million or whatever it was just on a Tuesday, and yes. it's like so the fact that you, you could see that happening, and then you see the University of Texas doing that, and then you see Miami, and you're looking at it going are we simply taking the money out of the McDonald's bag? And putting it in a McDonald's wrapper, i.e., hey, this is advertising dollars, but really, we don't care if you do anything or not. It'd be nice if you did something so it looks real, but here you go, 50K, stay at the University of Miami. And again, I'm not, again, I don't really necessarily fault the players because they are playing by the alleged rules. I just think if you're the NCAA, this shows how little power they have at this point, Ben. You take a step back, they kind of said, NIL, whatever your state rule says, what about the states that don't have rules? Well, whatever the federal rule is, we'll just go by that. But all 50 states aren't the same. That's fine. Just do do what you can do in your state. I mean, this is kind of what they've done, right? It is. And so now you get to this point, you're going, are we creating shell companies in order to pay players to come to school and stay at school when eight months ago yep. that kind of stuff would have been deemed illegal? Yep. And the only difference is we're calling it name, image, and likeness for some kind of marketing deal. And again, I think if you're the NCAA, you got to be looking back and going, uh, we have done nothing. We have said nothing. And now, it, to me, Ben, you want to talk about the haves and have-nots. Like, there are schools that have money, and then there are schools that have money. Yes. And so it's like, fine, Miami, you got some boosters together. You, I'm assuming that this, that's a real company. It hadn't been around that long, a couple weeks, and you're handing out NIL deals. Kind of sounds like a slush fund to me, but that, that's okay. You're going to try to do that? Well, Georgia's got 60, 70, 80 dudes that could probably throw in and say, oh, we're paying athletes now? Okay, well, here we go. And we'll call it a marketing deal. Make sure they all have a Twitter and make sure at one time they post something about this company. Mm-hmm. And, and we'll and, call it a marketing deal. And another th- yeah, well, uh, but there's another thing you, some of you said, Kevin, that people ain't thinking about. Okay, um, look, I've never had money to just throw around like that to be able to say, I mean, but, but you say you, you take 60, 70, I'm going to just use, I don't because Georgia think I'm popular. I'm going to just say the University of Florida got 60, got 60 boosters that want to give, I don't know, 100K a month. They're gonna give hundred k a piece a month, and they and they saying, all right, we all giving hundred k. What players they want to get certain players? And this is the thing, <clears throat> people who don't know, you're contractually obligated to do things now. So this notion of it starts out with, yeah, man, we're gonna give him a leeway. No, if the, no, no, no. If the if the autograph signing started at one, and he got here at one thirty, that's that's violation of his contract. That's, and another thing that's with two people is we hear about all this money throwing around. Now we got to pay this thing called taxes. <laughs> yeah. I'm telling you, it's 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 so many moving parts to this thing, but it's almost like this. You're talking about people that ain't never really had no big dollars. So we'll see what happens, Kevin, but it's it's probably yeah. going to get crazy before it gets Yeah, and, and again, I, I think it's very interesting that a lot of this stuff going on, the NCAA kind of sit back and is like, no, we don't need any regulation of this, not even to make sure it's all legit. We got more to come. It's 3 and Out, Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Glad you are with us. We'll take three coming up uh, next hour. We'll also chat with Logan Booker of 960 The Ref in Athens. We'll get the very latest in the comings and goings there in Athens. Transfer portal uh, off to the NFL. Had a couple players say they were coming back to Athens 
as well. So we'll chat with Logan Booker about that coming up in about uh, 25 minutes or so here on 3 and Out. Take three right around the corner all across the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Hit us up on Twitter at Pigskin Radio. We're streaming live as well on ESPNCoastal.com and on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Here of 3 and Out all across the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Kevin Thomas, Ben Troop here with you. Glad you're making us a part of your day. Logan Booker of 960 The Ref in Athens. He's going to join us coming up in about uh, 15 minutes or so. We'll talk the uh, very latest uh, out of Athens with the University of Georgia. And he will join us coming up in just a little bit. But first, Ben, it is 4 o'clock. Let's take three here on 3 and Out. All right, take one, uh, Ben Troop. What was the most impressive performance of the NFL weekend? And I'll leave that to you. Most impressive individual, mm-hmm. most impressive team performance. However you want to do it, individual team, doesn't matter. Most impressive performance of the NFL weekend. Most impressive performance by far is the Buffalo Bills. You talk about a Buffalo Bills team that's already given Josh Allen out of Wyoming. The smidgen under 6'5", uh, Kevin, uh, already gave him a contract extension in the offseason. Gave him a David Stephon Diggs last year, uh, who was the first team all pro. You talk about a team that if they can find a way to just play better last year in the playoffs, they probably move on. But they it wasn't a game. I mean, we're talking about a New England Patriots team, Kevin, that Mac Jones, if you know, outside of Jamar Chase is a runaway uh offensive player, to, I mean offensive rookie of the year this year. They got they got handled. When you talk about this New England Patriots defense, they was a bend but don't break. Here's a team that gave up yards but didn't give up points. Was very, very stingy in the red zone. And yesterday, I think uh, I think uh, uh, Josh Allen was responsible for seven touchdowns, two kneel downs. This was not a game. So much so that after the game, Bill Belichick was asked, are you retiring? Like, you got beat that bad. Like, you, I, you, you, I've never – in two years, Kevin, the, the, uh, the New England Patriots, one, didn't make the playoffs, which haven't happened in a long time last year. And got put out in the first round this year. So I would say the most impressive performance as a team, for me, is the Buffalo Bills, hands down, Josh Allen. The most impressive performance as a player is Odell Beckham Jr. And I know Debo Samuels is a guy that's that's, that's, that's been integral uh, for that for that San Francisco 49 defense. The reason why I say Odell Beckham Jr. was, Kevin, everybody, everybody just said uh it's over with Odell Beckham Jr. And once he left, uh once he left the Giants, went over to went over to the uh to the Browns. Uh, reunited with his best friend uh, Jarvis Landry. He's not the same player. Can't get open. Nope. He's he's been out. He's been out there and um he's been out there, you know, with the Rams. I think he got five or six touchdowns. Had a touchdown yesterday. He was graded the highest and and obviously played with Cooper Cup by the way, who set who who uh, set the record. I mean, broke every uh every major category, led and catches yards and touchdowns. Odell Beckham Jr. shows what happens when you can find a way to get him a rock. I mean, I think he graded out right at like 89.9%. That's 90% of my – if I have an 89.9 in school, teacher, if you don't round that thing up and give me that 90 so I can think it look, look good. <laughs> but, yes, Odell Beckham, individual performance, but team performance, it was in Buffalo Bill. I was going to say, I, I would say the, uh, the the Kansas City Chiefs. I know uh, the Steelers were out there. Uh, hey, one more. We got nothing to lose. I mean, and through, what, a quarter and a half, it was pretty tight. Very tight football game to Pat Mahomes – Ben, five touchdowns in about 11 minutes of game time, including a stretch where the Chiefs scored on six straight possessions mm. in the football game. Very impressive uh, there for the Chiefs and Pat Mahomes. So I will go with Pat Mahomes, although, as you said, there were a couple of games Travis where... Kelsey got to throw it, that TD. Yep. You know, I'm just saying, just showing what yep. tight ends do if you let it throw the rock. It was, it was a couple <laughs> of games where it was over... 
pretty quickly. He was all going to get off yeah, the bus. Yeah, uh, in, in those games. All right, moving along. Take two. The Hawks beat the Bucks yesterday. Of course, they uh, played the uh, annual Martin Luther King Jr. Day uh, game there in Atlanta. Played the Bucks. Hawks beat them. Mm-hmm. Is this a sign of a turnaround for the ATL or just a blip? Just a blip. And, and this will and this will make you mad about about Atlanta, right? I think this is the second time Atlanta has beat the Bucks this season. I mean, I, I don't know if they played them more than twice, but I know they beat them twice this season. The thing about this Atlanta team, they kind of like, you know, Kevin, they kind of like the Braves a couple of years ago. They play up the good competition and they play way down to bad competition. I know, I know they're trying to, I know they're trying to like, you know, I know Cam Bradish is gone. You know, he, he's he's back reunited with RJ Barrett. They're trying to, you know, they, you know, they they still need, you know, Zion. I don't know if that's gonna that's gonna happen, but I just think the thing about this, uh, you know, this Hawks team is they show you just how good they could be, and they took they lost. To the champs last year, the Bucks, and then you see how well they play them in the regular season. The, the regular season, to me, is not always a true barometer of what's going to happen the rest of the season. It shows what happens when a team decides to just like you know, hey, listen, man, we're gonna lock in. We, we know we got we got Giannis and and, and, and company coming to town. We want to make sure we give our best effort. They could beat a team like the Bucks, but we we seen what happened. What happens in the series? Like we thought they had them, then the Bucks came back. But yeah, I think it's a blip, Kevin, because the thing about Trey Young is going to give you buckets, but they are still a very very young team and still trying to figure out how to win consistently. It was just a blip, unfortunately for us. Yeah, I, and again, I, I think that it's what's frustrating is you see signs of what, as you said, Ben, they could be if they played consistently enough, but they haven't. And again, I think it lost nine straight games at home up until yesterday when they were finally able to close that one out against Milwaukee. So, uh, unfortunately, this has been a team that has not been able to find itself like they did last year. And, again, by and large, the same team yeah. that, uh, that got Cam taken Reddison to the— wasn't a key contributor, you know, right. most season, last season, yeah. Yeah, by and large, the same team that went uh, to the Eastern Conference Finals a, a season ago. All right, Ben, take three. Andy Reid, why talk about football when you can make a chocolate cake reference, right? I mean, is there uh, Andy Reid out there talking about— Hey, if you never had a bite of chocolate cake before, it's like, okay. That being said, I don't care about Andy Reid's take. What is your favorite oh my slice of cake? Ooh, just like asking what's my favorite dessert. I mean, just all of them. No, don't, like, no, no. don't go BJ on it. Say all of them. No, no, no. You got to have us. You got to lay it out for me, us. Me, Kevin, now, me and you, you know, we, I was around Halloween time. That's when we do our best work saving lives with, you know, uh, Halloween candy. Yes. Particularly chocolate. Most of us are growing up on chocolate cake. The yellow, and when I say chocolate cake, I don't mean the double chocolate. Kevin, there is a double chocolate cake because you have chocolate frosting <laughs> with the chocolate cake. But, Kevin, something me and you, I didn't even realize. It's, listen, I, I love I love strawberry cake with the cream cheese frosting. But, Kevin, something we talk about. The lemon cake with the lemon frosting. Listen to me. Yeah. Let me, let me t- there is very, very seldom, right, that a cake doesn't need anything. Like, do you need it? No, I don't need no ice cream. I don't need no nothing. I need a knife. And I need you to get out of my way. A lemon cake. Now, now you can go with the cream cheese frosting, but a lemon cake with a lemon ice. Oh, my God. It's almost like if you see it, you, you can't not see it. Like, oh, my God. Is that a lemon cake over there? Oh, yeah. It's I- one of those things, Kevin, too. You don't you don't see everybody make it because they probably, if it's good, they're going to ask you to make it all the time. But a lemon cake with lemon frosting? Yeah, yeah. Get out of my way. And, and that's one of those things to where I'm thinking I'm, 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 I cut a slice. And I'm looking at everybody else cutting slice. I mean, that's kind of big because I'm I'm trying to be able to take the rest home. But yeah, a lemon cake with lemon icing, get out of my way. I can eat that all day. Yeah, that's that. That you and I kind of found the, some commonality on that because I was I said the same thing. I was like, you know, chocolate with the frosting. And you're not joking. Like the universal standard, like I'm just boring cake guy is 
Yellow cake, chocolate frosting. Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, like, come on. That, I mean, it's I mean, good. That, but like, it's every, good. But everybody on, likes that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, when you're a kid <laughs> and you don't know nothing better, you be like, oh, my God. But as you get older, you're like, man, I... I might have I might have like exceeded my you know quota <laughs> when it comes to the freaking chocolate cake with the yellow. Yeah, yellow, I mean yellow. I mean the yellow cake is always good. Yeah, but the chocolate icing, man. Come on, man. Yeah, it puts over top. But no, the lemon cake with the lemon frosting. And I just I told you like for my birthday, my mom made me lemon like lemon pound cake with the lemon. Ooh. It wasn't frosting. It was like the lemon glaze. Yes, oh, oh, very very good, <laughs> very very good. And like you said, oh my god, give it about eight seconds in the microwave. It's been. It's a wrap. It's you, don't, you don't even need, like you said, you don't even need the ice cream to come Whatever you don't have to have the food, whatever, let me tell you, and I, I got to say this too while we on cake. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes the frosting is better than the cake, right? Sometimes you're like, oh, that. The rainbow but, frosting. Yeah, but but the thing about it is, is okay, like you said, when all I got to do, when the cake is so good, I, I'm just drizzling on it. I, yeah. I don't got to, you know, I'm just drizzling it. And like you said, Kevin, if you, if you just put it, you know. Act like you got a little, act like you got some sense. Put it in there for about eight seconds, maybe ten. It's it's warm, man. That's that's lit. Whenever when people go, oh, what about cake and ice cream? Well, that means the cake is high. Because ice cream going, no, no, no. <laughs> I just need the cake. I need a fork. And if we ain't got no forks, my hand will do. It, it's it's yeah. gonna it's gonna go to its proper place. We'll bring we'll bring in an expert on 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 this. I got I got my son here, uh, Ben. Mm-hmm. Brett, you are a cake expert, right? What 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 is your favorite cake? Chocolate cake. You know what, Red? Oh, I mean, my Red, gosh. Did you, did you just that, Red? You're also very young. You ain't a teenager yet. You haven't experienced exposure in the cake world yet. Now, our, all our favorite cake is chocolate cake because that's all we was. We didn't know. Yeah. We didn't. Listen, no, we, didn't, we, didn't, we didn't know about strawberry. Like, I used to think the cake was the frosting. No, that's the frosting. The cake is underneath it. So really, it ain't chocolate cake. It's a yellow cake. No, he's not chocolate. Cho- he likes chocolate cake with chocolate chips. Oh, so you want, with you chocolate want, chips in it. Oh, so you want the chocolate chip? You you. So you have brought your daddy around to the chocolate chocolate. Not the not the double fudge. We yeah. got to work on that. But the chocolate chocolate cake with the chocolate ki- chips. Boy, you ain't going to sleep that night. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> Is that your favorite kind? Yeah. The, okay. All right. Listen, I ain't arguing. Listen, I, I I had a when we lived when we lived in Augusta. We lived in three different places. The last place we lived was on 2602 Shalomar Drive. Our next door neighbor used to make me chocolate cake. She would tell my mom, hey, the cake is ready. I don't know how many, and she would always tell me, listen, you can just keep the plate. I filled up an entire little cabinet, a plate. I used to tear this cake up, but then you go to college and people are like, hey, what kind of cake you like? Oh, man, I like a chocolate cake. You get your little country fun. What? <laughs> I don't know any other cakes that you get introduced to the strawberries, to the lemon, to the rainbow. Yeah. I mean, there's so many cakes out there, but listen, lemon cake people with the with the drizzle. Listen, 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 Mama Thomas, you you hey, know what I, you know what the address yeah, is. Do you like the uh, do you like the Funfetti cake? Do you know what Funfetti is? Yeah. Do you like that one? No. No, you don't like the. Fun you are young. What do you, you mean you don't like the Funfetti? It is tastes it? disgusting. Oh, oh my! Boy, listen, goodness. listen, you about to you know, see? You about to you about to get you about to get your radio privileges revoked? That's right. <laughs> is there such a thing as triple chocolate cake? I don't know. Yeah, there's not. That's, that's right. It, it doesn't. It doesn't exist. I don't know is the good answer because it doesn't listen, exist. Kevin was getting ready to eat the cake. They said, "Listen, we got triple chocolate." Oh, okay, I, I'm out of here. No, it's just a chocolate cake. That's fine. It's you a can chocolate call cake it with chocolate icing, with chocolate chips, and chocolate sprinkles. Yeah, and chocolate yeah. That is it's a chocolate just, cake. It's with all a lot still of, a with chocolate. With a lot of chocolate in it. It's still all, yeah. <laughs> with the chocolate mousse. All right, here's what? a here's a question. Huh? If I if I if I had a if I had a Reese's cup and uh-huh. took the peanut butter out uh-huh. and filled it with pe- with chocolate, would I call that a double chocolate Reese's? I mean, Kevin, you might be on to something. No, I, mean, I would not. <laughs> so, <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, in a sense, though. <clears throat> I thought it was just a double fudge. Kevin's like, look, man, 
Let me get the double chocolate chunk, Kevin. Like, don't start. <laughs> don't start. So let me get this right. The chocolate cost, yeah, the chocolate is $2, but the double yeah. chocolate chunk. It's just cost. So that looks like chocolate ice cream yeah. with chocolate chunks in it. You're going to charge me an extra dollar for the chocolate chunk? My goodness. It's all the same thing. It's just different forms. That's all it is. Kevin is saying if you melt it all down, could I tell the difference? And the answer is no. No, you can't. So it doesn't. Ex- it does not exist. There's no double strawberry, no triple strawberry. No triple vanilla. Let me vanilla. get the triple vanilla. Is that, yeah. is that three? You talking no, about three scoops? There's no double lemon cake. No, there's none. There's none. There's none of that. We just try to do it with chocolate and act like it's real. That's no, fine. Right. No, no double, no triple chocolate. It's all chocolate. Enjoy it. I'm not saying I won't eat it. I just said it's not real. So Kevin's a call. This is called yeah. the not real chocolate cake. But I'm gonna eat it. Yeah, I'm eat it. I'm gonna put it in my real stomach and I'm gonna enjoy. <laughs> it. We got more to come. That's take three. Logan Booker. 960 The Ref in Athens joins us when we return. It's 3 and out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Sunbelt Commissioner Keith Gill, and you're listening to 3 and Out with BJ, Kevin, and Ben. Good to have you back here on this Tuesday. Kevin Thomas, Ben Troop, glad you're making us a part of your day. Georgia, obviously still reveling in the national championship of a little more than a week ago at this point, but it's been a busy time in Athens. Players coming and going uh, to the NFL transfer portal, coming back. Uh, for another year of eligibility, here to help us uh, get the very latest, Logan Booker, 960 The Ref in Athens, joins us. Logan, welcome to the show. How are you? Hey, as you can imagine, things in Athens are about as good as they've been in, in 41 years or so. Oh. It's good to, good to join you guys, man. This is a uh, heck of a time to be alive, for sure. It certainly is. What has the mood in Athens been like the last seven days uh, since all that happened? I know, obviously, folks can search the Internet and see the party uh, that, that took place, yeah. but, I mean, how long has that party been going? Uh, let me let me quote the uh, the great Waka Flock of Flame. I think he's the one that said, "It's a party, it's a party, it's a party, it's a party," and then so forth. So, uh, th- th- this thing is crazy, man. This this last weekend, I know you guys, like you mentioned, have referenced. Uh, I mean, you saw the celebration up here. Over a hundred thousand people showing up and lining the streets and filling every single seat in Sanford Stadium. And uh, I look, we're a bunch of Georgia guys up here, and, and I've always wondered what it would like what it would what it would the weight of that you know drought being lifted off of your shoulders what would that actually feel like when it happens and i think the common thing that we've been we've been getting from all of our listeners there it's it's a hundred times better than anybody ever imagined uh we got a lot of young guys that they call into the show that have literally like myself at 38 years old have never experienced what george is going through we've heard about it from our fathers from our our older fan bases our relatives that were around in 1980 but we now have a bond that we can absolutely share with, with somebody of an older generation. And it's, I, I don't know when this is going to stop. That, that's another common thing that our callers to our radio show are saying is that they don't know when this feeling is going to go away. Maybe it won't be until a kickoff September 3rd. Maybe it won't be until Georgia has a, a loss to a big rival at some point because it, it's going to happen at some point in the history of time. But I don't know. This is a crazy feeling that I've never experienced and. The shows that we're doing from six to ten on nine sixty, the ref are just—they're uh, just a party right now. It's—it's it's crazy. I don't even know how to put it into words for you guys. 
I mean, speaking of not being able to put things in the words, Stetson Bennett, when you look at not just what he meant to the team this year, obviously being the, uh-huh. the second quarterback, you know, not named Buck Baloo to win a national championship, but what he's meant to the program the last two years, I mean, obviously he had to, he had to play in the shadows of a JT Daniels, you know, uh, you know, uh, you know, all year, even this year and last year, to you, when when people have storybook endings, or you know, what would you what would you rank this Stetson Bennett performance? Not just in the national championship, but everything he had to endure all season. Yeah, I, I don't know when the statue is going to go up in Blackshear down there, and, and but it needs to. There there needs to be a statue right in the middle of the square that people can visit and uh, drop like a postage stamp or something at his feet, as that maybe as they make their way down to the cocktail party in the Golden Isles or something, but. Uh, I saw somebody create you, – you guys may have seen the same thing. Somebody Photoshopped – it's fake, obviously, but like a Disney movie poster called The Mailman. And there was a couple of uh, couple of sets and Bennett pictures there. I, I thoroughly believe that one day we're going to have a movie or something called The Mailman, whether that's an ESPN 30 for 30 or an actual Disney movie or something. The, the kid is a legend. I mean, what he did is just absolutely unheard of. Uh, I think, and like you just mentioned there, Ben, when he goes up against or competes with the JT Daniels, the five-star kids on the roster, but what makes it even more incredible uh, to me, and this is still just kind of soaking in, is that he went up against and beat the Heisman Trophy winning quarterback at the University of Alabama on the biggest stage, and then he came out victorious. Those three, those two touchdowns that he helped account for late in the game uh, to, to A.D. Mitchell and then Brock Bowers is just it's what legends are made of, and, and what he's gone through, and, and part of what he went through was a, a pretty vocal fan base throughout the season. This is just a product of the, the age we live in. Uh, if we lived in a non-social media world, and, and it's not that far in the past, 20 years in the past, uh, I think these conversations would have been had amongst our friends, amongst our family, that, hey, dad, hey, neighbor, I'm not sure Stetson's the guy, but unfortunately the era we live in right now, and there's really, really good things that happened because of social media. But one of the negative parts of that is that negative opinions are put on blast. They're, they're put out in public for everybody to see. And, and the person that those negative opinions are targeted at has very, very easy access to see them as well. So uh, there, there is a portion of the fan base that I think maybe have uh, treated Stetson not very well this year. But if you want to silence those guys, it, it's go out there and win a national championship as a former walk-on. So I think so far and. I have no reason to think it'll change that Stetson has been absolute first class when it comes to dealing uh, with those, those criticisms. And so far as, as a reigning national champion for a week now that he's also just been as humble and awesome as possible. And we're all kind of waiting to see now, does he come back? Does he have, does he has another year of eligibility somehow? Uh, the guy's been around, I feel like since the Mark Rick days, but, but and that's sarcasm, obviously, but I feel like he's been around forever and, I, I kind of think he may come back next year. Why not? I mean, the guy's done everything he can do, and I, I guess the, the one downside risk would be would you soil a legacy at all if, if you don't do it again? And I, I don't know. This, this is an amazing story, and I, I, I think there's going to be a lot of children nine, ten months down the road named Stetson or Bennett across the state of Georgia. So I think I think it's something that legends are made of. I'm 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 still just enthralled by the whole thing. Yeah, Logan, I think there's gonna be Stetson, uh, Bennett's and Kirby so all over the guess yes. all over the place in about nine to ten months, no, no question. But you mentioned something there in that uh we, we see the business of football is never to be outdone, right? Georgia wins on Monday night, Alabama loses. Tuesday we see guys leaving in the transfer portal or going to the NFL. You mentioned Stetson there, gut feeling, and there's a lot of reports that maybe JT Daniels 
is going to transfer out maybe after this spring semester. Uh, what happens there? Uh, because obviously you've got a talented guy sitting there uh, already in Brock Vandegrift, another one uh, waiting to come in who have not yet to really see their full turn. What do you think happens there between now and I don't even maybe say after spring ball uh, with all those quarterbacks in that room there? Yeah, that, that's the big mystery. That's the big question. I'll say this. It's a whole lot less stressful when you have a national championship flag up in Sanford Stadium because you got that. Uh, that box has been checked. And, and certainly, eventually, you, you will mentally, the fan base, that is, will turn the page and start thinking about the 2022 team. But uh, to answer your question, I do think the reports out there that JT Daniels' plans to transfer are legit. I, I think that he's kind of seen the writing on the wall here that, 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 you know, this may not be the place for him to shine and do what he wants to do uh, in his career. And, and like you said, it may be until the end of spring. I think the reports are all saying the same thing, that he'll finish the semester as a student. Now, I, I don't know what that means as far as spring practice. I would imagine that if this is a very transparent situation uh, with Coach, that he may not participate in spring practice. And if he does, it'll be in a very limited more of a workout capacity as opposed to, to taking any reps away from people that, that are going to be there next year. But, but here's the thing. Kirby Smart is the king of keeping relationships good. I mean, you've got plenty of players that spurned him on the recruiting trail that would eventually, you know, wind up back in Georgia. Demetrius Robertson's a name that, that comes to mind about that and, and others as well. Uh, but, no, if I had to put on my prediction hat, I think JT's gone. I do start to think more and more that Stetson Bennett is so in love with being the quarterback at the University of Georgia, and now that he has that national championship, I think he should be the odds-on favorite to come back. And uh, I think, Kirby, one thing that he's going to do, and this is being written about by a lot of people now, is to make that spring, make that summer a 100% open competition, that if Stetson gets beat out by a, a developing Brock Vandegrift, uh, Gunnar Stockton, another name to keep an eye on as he's about to enter the program, but, but a true freshman, I wouldn't put much – much uh, counted him winning that thing. But still, you've got guys in the wings that have been waiting. And I don't think JT would be the only one uh, to leave. And, and I'm not reporting anything. I'm just assuming here. I, I have nothing to say this, but, but I would not be surprised at all if like, Carson Beck does not wind up in that quarterback room next year as well. He was, was passed over a couple times this year. So keep an eye on that too. But uh, I think it's going to be it, come summertime, come fall camp, I legitimately think this is going to be a Stetson Bennett, Brock Vandegrift, a battle, and I know the dark horse out there, the wild card, could be a potential transfer in, but as of this time that we're talking right now, there's really no concrete evidence that any big name will transfer in. But that being said, back to Kirby and his roster management, don't be surprised at all if at some point a big-name quarterback does come into the program. So, I don't know, a long way to answer your question, sorry, but I, I, I think when September 3rd rolls around, I think Stetson Bennett is once again going to be the quarterback against the Oregon Ducks. When you think about this defense and how historic it was last season, and obviously they showed they played their best football, you know, in the postseason. People, people are saying who's going to be coming back? Who's going to who's going to be going to the NFL? You got Robert Bill, you got Chris Smith, you got Nolan Smith, the three guys that were key contributors this year. With Chris Smith, obviously missing most of the year with a big uh, pick in the first game, being able to come back next year. No one's expect. Well, we, we we I say that no one's expecting them to have the season they had uh, next season, uh, this season as far as that defense, but. Having guys like Smith, you know, Chris Smith, Nolan Smith, and Robert Bill come back with the young guys they got waiting in the wings, how good can this defense be and reload in 2022 instead of, you know, uh, trying to be able to fit some holes? 
Yeah, throw, throw another Smith in there, Ty Key Smith, by the way, that, that we never saw. We I guess we saw a couple plays against Auburn, but he was out with a uh, broke foot and a torn ACL. It would have been really, really nice to have the first, first team All-American transfer from West Virginia up against the John Mechie or a, or a Jamison Williams in the SEC championship game. But he, he announced a couple days ago he's also coming back. So uh, those guys you just mentioned, Ben, along with Ty Key, and, and I think the, the Robert Beal news this morning was absolutely huge. But so far, none bigger I think that Nolan Smith, that, that's both on the field and in the locker room. This kid could very easily go to the, the draft right now and I think be a nice, solid third-round pick. And I think he's following the footsteps of what Jordan Davis did last year, another maybe a shoe-in for a third pick who I now expect to go in the first half of the, of the first round. But, no, those guys that you all mentioned are, are very, very solid uh, uh, players. I think you look at a couple of the young guys like uh, uh, Mikhail Sherman, uh, Smile Munden, a five-star kid that's going to uh, fill into that sort of Channing Tindall and uh, uh, Quay Walker role, all of which are going pro now. Kirby has had number one and number two recruiting classes every year for the past, you know, current cycle of, of freshmen through upperclassmen. The, the, the cupboard is not bare by any stretch. It's just that these guys that are going to come off the bench and have their moment this spring and have their moment this summer and into the fall, they've been there They've just been sitting behind, as you alluded to, one of the best defenses that maybe college football has ever seen. So will they be as good as Georgia next year? No, no one's going to expect them to be as good and put those numbers up again. But this can still be a very, very solid defense. And then add that, flip it over to the other side of the ball. Georgia's offense should not really miss a beat. And if anything, should get a little bit better next year uh, with the experience out there. With some of these health or, or injured receivers potentially coming back, uh, maybe an Arian Smith out there that we didn't get to see much of at all. And a running game where I think when you start featuring Kendall Milton and a Kenny McIntosh and this new Robinson kid that might get some playing time as a freshman, I think Georgia's offense will still be good. And when they're good, the defense doesn't have to throw a shutout every single game. If you can limit your opponents to, I mean, put a high number on it. Put, put 20 points, which is not that outlandish, 21 points in today's college football world. I think Georgia's defense can still score 21 or more and I look at that regular season, I don't see a game in the first 12 that Georgia should not be the favorite. Uh, but that being said, Alabama's going to be mad. Alabama's going to be really darn good next year. If these two teams meet in the SEC championship, uh, you can say Nick Saban's going to have a little something for, for the dogs there. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't think Georgia fans should look at the defense in 2022 and, and expect some major drop-off. I think the the announcement of kids coming back these last couple of days have been every bit as big uh, as, as any recruit you could go get out there. Kirby's just in, in, a, in a roundabout way getting five stars to commit for the second time. And, and I, think, I think Georgia's defense will be pretty good next year. Logan Booker, 960, the ref in Athens. Jordan is here on three and out. And, Logan, you mentioned the guys uh, making decisions, guys going pro. You win the national championship, that's part of college football, right? Mm-hmm. You win the national championship, guys go pro. Is there anybody that's kind of on the fence that hasn't – made an announcement yet that may throw their hat in in that ring, or has Georgia pretty much seen the guys that are leaving go ahead and say they're leaving? Yeah, I, I think we're pretty much there. I'm trying to think if there's anybody that, that has not made a decision that everybody's kind of tapping their foot on. Um, I know uh, uh, Quay Walker just announced in the last hour or so, but that was sort of a, a given. Uh, we knew that. It, 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 it's the super seniors. I think the ones that were on the fence, Georgia's already gotten the news they're coming back, and that is the Nolan Smith, the Robert Beal, and the Christopher Smith, I think those are huge. But um, as far as you know, uh, the offensive players, the running backs, uh, George Pickens, I- I'll be honest, between us, are my opinion, I would have loved to have seen George come back and maybe have a healthy year 
But that's also a situation where that kid has the talent. We all know that. It's just can he be healthy enough in the combine to get himself in that maybe maybe late first or second round somebody to take a chance on him. No one no one's upset or faulting him at all. But that would have been a really nice shot in the arm if Georgia had gotten him back. But uh, no, I I, I I wish I had more to, to answer. But I think we're just about there. I don't know of anybody that's still keeping us waiting at this point. So so those that have announced were already in the books because I think yesterday was the deadline. So I knew you had a three-day window, but I think we're there right now. I think we've, we've kind of getting a better glimpse on what this roster is going to look like. I think more eyes are now going to be on the transfer portal as opposed to the, the current roster, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Logan Booker, 960, the ref in Athens, our guest here on 3 and Out. Logan, appreciate the time. Thanks much. Hey, thank you, guys. Y'all have a good day. Will do. Logan Booker joining us here on 3 and Out. We'll come back. We'll react to some of what he had to say there here on 3 and Out on the Southern Pigskin. Ben, we just talked with Logan Booker last segment about uh, obviously a lot going on at Georgia. Again, the expectation is uh, that JT Daniels will transfer. A lot of reports out there, nothing official that he has done it, but a lot of reports that is expected he will transfer at some point from the uh, University of Georgia program. No word on where, but a lot of thoughts that wait till the end of the spring semester. I think he graduates and will be a grad transfer at that point wherever he decides to go, but uh, I know Logan said he expects maybe a couple more. Where do you expect uh, to be with that Georgia quarterback room when you start talking about August there in Athens? Well, I mean, uh, the one thing Logan said that stood out to me first, Kevin, was the fact that he was like, uh, you know, a guy like Stetson Bennett might have to compete for his job. Now, I don't know many other scenarios where a player coming off of the national championship win has to compete for his job. Now, I understand being pushed but not having to compete. But I do agree. I don't I don't think that JT Daniels survives because any chance he had at becoming the starting quarterback went out the window when Stetson won the national championship. Because JT Daniels was the guy that's been here for the last two years, just like Stetson, and he's been available. Stetson hasn't been hurt. <clears throat> JT has been hurt. Carson Beck wasn't able to play in an already, you know, very, very crowded quarterback room when he could have easily stepped in. He's a five-star, you know, uh, four-star, four-star, five-star quarterback that got recruited by uh, you know, um, Kirby and those guys and wasn't able to really get in. <clears throat> so I do think it's going to probably be JT Daniels and Carson Beck. I Stetson is going to be the wild card into the tight situation because Kevin, you know, Logan's saying all the right things and he had to say all the right things and I get it. You know, uh, I like what Logan said about the whole JT Daniels or uh, Carson. You know, I'm, not, I'm not reporting anything, yeah. which I, I can respect that. But at a certain point, Kevin, when we, we, we talked about this in the break or before the show, if you are a big-time quarterback, if you are a big-time quarterback, do you want to go to Georgia? Not because you can't win, but when you when you when you look at when you think about of recent, I mean, Aaron Murray, the Air Raid, Matthew Stafford, the one overall pick. You talking about uh, DJ Shockley? You talking about uh, David Greens? And uh, you know you had some guys there, you know, mixed in the middle. The two quarterbacks that took him to the Natty was you know Jake Fromm, who had to fill in for Jake Easton, who had to go back to uh, D.C. I mean, go, I'm sorry, go back to Washington, UW. And you talk about a guy in Stetson Bennett. Now, I'm not saying don't go to Georgia. I'm not saying that for you Georgia fans saying, oh, Ben saying Kirby can't. But what I am saying is, if you are, if you are Carson Beck, Carson Beck got recruited by Georgia. J.T. Daniels transferred in, and, and, uh, and obviously a guy like Stetson wasn't even on campus. You say to yourself, well, dude, like, you know, am I going to get a chance to play? Because every quarterback room is crowded. I'm not saying that. But, Kevin, if you are a five-star quarterback, the last two big ones, and I'm not taking nothing away from Jake Fromm, didn't didn't really, you know, fit the muster. So you say to yourself, is it 
the guy who's going to fit the bill, even if he's a if, if he's a walk on, or am I going to get to actually get out there and compete if I am getting recruited in, in this recruiting cycle? Well, I mean, I, well, just look at it and Brock Vandegrift, highly touted quarterback, he's waiting in the wings. Gunnar Stockton, highly thought of quarterback, set all kind of uh, records there at Raven County, uh, coming in five star quarterback. Uh, I just look at it more from uh, from a bit, and this is not necessarily a Georgia problem. This is a Ohio State problem. It's only a problem at like three schools, three or four schools in the country, but you just start stacking up five stars, and it's the only position on the field, Ben, where one guy plays, right? Hey, I might be a five-star left tackle recruit. Okay, I'm not starting. I'm second team, but I'm still getting reps. I'm still getting in. I'm not the starting running back, but I'm still getting in. I'm getting reps. I'm not the starting wide receiver, but we run three wide sets all game. I'm going to get in and see plays. Same for positions all across the field, except quarterback. If you are not the starter, as we, we found out, Ben, if you're not the starter, you're not getting in unless George is winning 48 to nothing. Mm-hmm. So I, I think a lot, of, a lot of guys like that are saying, look, I want to go and I want to play, and I want to be able to, to make my contribution. And, Ben, you can explain this better than, than most about the mindset of an athlete. Like no kid said, going in there saying, oh, I can beat out all those guys. I'm sure when you were recruited by Florida, I know you're a humble guy, but I'm sure when you were recruited by Florida, the thought process was, I don't care who's on the tight end roster there. I'm going to go in and compete and get on the field. The end. Because I'm good. I'm, I'm, I'm that guy. And so I hear all you know, Georgia fans talking about Arch Manning. Okay, so Gunnar Stockton, uh, Brock Vandegrift, then you're going to add Arch Manning. Can't but one of those guys play, right? I mean, so somebody's going to be unhappy because they all have elite talent. And as you know, Ben, if your ultimate goal is, look, I'm a highly thought-of quarterback. My goal is to get to the NFL. You don't get to the NFL by, hey, let me see your game tape. Well, my game tape, uh, remember when we were playing Vanderbilt and we were up 42 to nothing? That's my game tape. That's mm-hmm. when I was playing uh, because that's when I got in. That doesn't work. And I think that's what confuses me is the guys that you see transfer from programs where they're already starting. That's kind of nuts, but that's neither here nor there. But I think we see programs like Ohio State, like Georgia, like Alabama. You start stacking up quarterbacks, yes. and you're going, at some point, just look at it and go, one guy plays. Everybody else sits. Am I going to wait my turn, or am I going to get impatient? And to me, that's the that's the thing uh, there at Georgia's. Who's willing to wait their turn, Ooh. and who's impatient? And that's a hard thing in today's day and age to sit there and wait because while you're waiting, turn your back. Oh, there's another guy right behind me. That's a, that's a five star. So I think that's a that's the it's a good problem to have. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. I think that's where Georgia finds themselves. We have Stetson Bennett, the unlikeliest of. National yes. Championship heroes, yes. and I think that throws another kind of yes. angle into it, Ben. But JT Bennett's like, I transferred to Georgia. I, I transferred to play, right? I, I, I came yeah. to Georgia to play, not yes. to not to sit. And that's just that's natural. Carson Beck, as you said, four-star out of Jacksonville. I was recruited to Georgia because I thought I could play at some point. They keep bringing in other guys. Not even just the guys behind him, Ben. I was set to get a look at starting, and they brought in two guys. They brought in Jamie Newman and JT Daniels ahead of me, right, to, to come into play. So I think you start looking at some of that, and that quarterback room, to me, is going to get very interesting. And as you said, if Stetson wins the job, which, again, as you said, it's kind of crazy to think you win the national championship, there would even be a question. If he wins the job, does Brock Vandegrift go, okay, I'm sitting another oh, year probably, oh, you, you, and, you, and I got the guy behind me now. And there's going to be another guy behind him, and we're all going to be. Am I am I going to get my opportunity to to, to get out there and show what I can do? That's a natural conversation, yes. good problem to have. But that's why I think a lot of people are interested in seeing how this Georgia quarterback room kind of shapes up. Well, well, Kevin, I think you just solved the riddle of why a lot of people don't understand coaching at large. 
the exit and the O's happened, what, 15 games out of the season or whatever, 12, 13 games out of the season. And how do I balance one football? How do I balance playing time? When you one thing Alabama is not being really, you know, uh, you know, uh applauded for is Jalen Hurst, two and Mac Jones, that's the same, that is the same quarterback room. Two, I mean, Jalen was a starter, went 20, 26 and 2, got benched in the national championship. That's how he ended up leaving. No, no, no. He came back the next year. So Tua, I mean, Tua was the backup. Jalen was a starter. Jalen gets benched in the national championship. Tua comes out and starts next year. Has a bad SEC championship game. Jalen steps in and wins the SEC championship game, so Tua can go back to the national championship and get beat <laughs> by Trevor Lawrence. Jalen goes on. Then Mac Jones steps in. The thing about it is, is people go, why the red shirt year? Red shirt gives a guy a chance, one chance, uh, uh, you know, one year to sit while another guy's playing. Then you got your redshirt freshman in. Hopefully that other guy's a junior. The guy staying four years, it, it's kind of an anomaly now. You want guys to look, man, you got three years. They're not telling you to move on. Like, come on, man, because it's like if you stay, you automatically got that started. And I think you just said it, Kevin. If you're talking about a guy like Carson Beck, Carson Beck is more of a true barometer of what college football is. Like, there are no guarantees. People go, why you know, why you pick Florida over Georgia? Well, look, look what Florida had and Georgia. No, look what Georgia had and Florida didn't have. Florida had Spurrier. And then uh, Georgia had Jim Dunning. Florida had a guy named, you know, you know, uh, you know, Aaron. And I love, and listen, listen. And I and I and, and I love Aaron Walker. I love I love Benny Wells. I love you know those guys. Georgia had uh, had Johnson, had had uh, uh, McMichael, and had a guy by the name of Ben Watson. Where am I gonna play at? Like you talking about, you talking about now over there where I was going? None of those guys had my skill set. Now we all had the same talent, different skill set. I saw Ben Watson at the freaking combine, and I'm just saying, you know, and, and Kevin, you're not picking a bad choice. People go, you pick Florida over Georgia. There isn't a bad choice. I went to a car lot. One had Georgia on it. One had Florida on it. One had Tennessee on it. One, I can't pick. The only thing was they came in different colors. It's the same <laughs> freaking car. But I think that these players don't understand. You better look at, forget where the guy, where the guy I mean, how the guy plays. How many years do we got left? Because, Kevin, something else that messed it up was that free year. So that's messing things up, too. Yeah. Because it's going to take, what, another maybe two, maybe three-year cycle to kind of get all those guys out. Because if you if Stetson Bennett comes back, it, listen, I know JT Daniels. It's kind of big news, but JT wasn't going to play. I'm sorry. If Stetson comes back, it's like it's okay. Because now you got, you know, you got the kid from North, uh, North what, almost the mountains of Georgia coming yeah, yeah. in. It's, so I will say it's going to be interesting, Kevin, but who would have ever thought? A guy that wasn't even on scholarship is reshaping a room full of scholarship players. Now, obviously, he's earned a scholarship yeah. since then, but we'll see what happens, Kevin. But, yeah, Kirby Smart, I know he got that natty, but now he got to go back <laughs> and say, hey, man, is Stetson a transfer? No, Stetson. And I'm not yeah. saying Stetson. I'm not reporting no transfer. Yeah, no, 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 no. Stetson. We'll see what happens. Yeah, we got more to come here. It's 3 and Out all across the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Good to have you along here, 3 and Out, on this Tuesday. We'll hear from Teron Davenport. Covers the Titans for ESPN's NFL Nation. He'll join us. We'll look at the uh, NFL playoffs as they continue. Ben's Titans got the bye last week, and so they uh, move on here, uh, welcoming in uh, Cincinnati in round number two. Also take a look at the NFL as it uh, moves forward uh, into week number two of the playoffs, coming up in the uh, the final hour of the program. And as Ben, you know, I was going to say, as you know, you only know it a little bit, but it's a whole different ball game. Obviously, in the postseason, I think that's the other thing people forget. It's like, man, so and so did this in the regular season. Well, playoff football completely, completely mm-hmm. different. Well, it's 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 what you play for. The postseason is uh, very, very prestigious. Most guys go their whole careers 
And at first, if you know, first you talk about Monday Night Football, then you talk about the playoffs, then you talk about playing on Thanksgiving or Christmas or what may have you. But Kevin, it is, it is very, very prestigious. I mean, I was blessed enough to play one year in the playoffs, my uh, my fourth year in the NFL with the Titans, and I just remember being so much media on the sideline, like people from all over. You think about that. You got people from you know all over the world, not just the U.S. Coming to just take part of this thing, and did you get there? But you know, it's football. Once you get in the game, you understand play calling is going to dictate the situations even more. You're not going to do more trick plays, or you're not going to have people going on fourth and inches because it's hard. To, you know, the hardest yard to get is, is one yard. But it is prestigious. I was blessed enough to be able to do it. We, you know, unfortunately, we met up against uh, Ladanian Thomason, uh, Sean Merriman, and Philip Rivers with the then San Diego Chargers, not the LA Chargers now. But it was a great experience. I enjoyed it. You know, I really, really did. The lights don't get much brighter than that. But, yes, Kevin, when everything's on the line, when everybody has to play well, when every single mistake is magnified, we'll see what type of player, what type of team you are. Absolutely. We've got more to come here on 3 and Out right after this all across Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Final hour of 3 and Out here on this Tuesday. A lot to get to. The NFL playoffs getting ready for the second round uh, here coming up this weekend. The Tennessee Titans, Ben's Tennessee Titans, got a, uh, a bye there in the uh, first round. Joey is here to talk about that and more. Covers the Titans for ESPN's NFL Nation. Teron Davenport joins us here on 3 Now. Teron, welcome to the show. How are you? Hey, what's going on? Appreciate you guys having me on. Hey, appreciate you coming on. And for the uh, the Titans, what's it been like kind of getting to sit back, one of just two teams to sit back and watch it all take place last week? Hey, you know, it was good to just sit back and be able to watch a game and not have to write about it and analyze it fully. So I enjoyed that process. But, you know, some of the games weren't too good to watch. But nevertheless, it's always fun to watch football. Teron, when you think about this Cincinnati team, I mean, uh, one year removed from obviously losing a guy like Joe Burrow, you see what a, what a difference a year makes. I mean, him and Chase and Higgins. I've, saw, I've seen, obviously, uh, some of your videos talking with guys like Christian Fulton and Simmons and Byard and those guys. How excited is that defense? And what type of, what type of uh, you know, a problem could this uh, Cincinnati offense pose? Yeah, they're really excited to be able to go against a, an, an offense like this that presents such a challenge. They're very aware of the opportunity that's in front of them. But I think when you look at it, uh, Kevin Byard actually said it best because I asked him about the way these guys all complement each other, and he, he made a good point, right? You look at T. Higgins, he's a down-the-field type of guy that is able to go up and high point the football. Jamar Chase, he does everything, but one of the things that he does really well is just uh, catch and, and, and run, right? Get the yards after the catch. And then you got Tyler Boyd, who's the veteran. I mean, that guy really works the slot very well. So they truly have three – 1,000-yard level receivers. And then you got Joe Mixon coming out of the backfield, and that's a separate challenge. So uh, when you look at all that and then Joe Burrow able to to extend plays, go off schedule, and and just put the ball everywhere, you know, and and make those how-dare-you type of throws, right? And and that's really what the the challenge is, right, figuring out how to slow those guys down. I think it really comes down to the trenches, and that's where the Titans, I feel, have the advantage. This is obviously a team that has a lot of momentum. Finally, got that first playoff win since what the uh, the early '90s. How how real is that in the NFL, where a team gets a franchise, and I'm sure in their minds, uh, hopefully a franchise changing win versus kind of sitting back and uh, getting healthy and waiting. How do you kind of curb that momentum from Cincinnati? Well, I tell you what's crazy. A lot of the guys 
on the Bengals, at least the primary offensive ones, weren't even alive the last time that team won a playoff game. So that just lets you know, you know, just kind of the perspective behind that. I think it's it's really good for them to be able to get that under their belt and, and just, you know, have that playoff experience. But I think some of the things that the Titans bring to the table as far as how experienced they are will be an advantage for them just because of the fact that they they know not to go out there and, and you know, empty the full clip in pregame, right? They know to pace themselves and be ready to play when the whistle starts, right, from kickoff as opposed to, you, you know, you want to be ready, but you don't want to get overexcited pregame. And I, I think that's the, that's the thing that uh, the, the Titans kind of have the advantage there. And also just knowing how much the, the pace of the game, the, the intensity is elevated. Mike Vrabel is the guy that doesn't seem to get the, the type of fanfare that other coaches get when you talk about the type of culture he's built in Nashville. I mean, all they know is winning right now. Obviously, you know, it didn't go well last year against the Ravens, and that's a long story rivalry. But what has been Mike Vrabel's, like, you know, attitude or his tenor uh, going into this weekend, especially having the top seed? Well, it's this opportunity that's in front of them. That's what they're focused on. They're not looking at the past or the future. They're focused on, on what's in front of them now. And, it's all about not squandering the opportunity and making sure that everybody is ready to go. Uh, I asked him yesterday what his message was for the week because he always has a message that he gives to these guys. And I like to get that because then I turn around and ask the guys during the week questions and you get to hear that message get, get uh, you know, put back out there, you know, and it shows you that they're buying in. So uh, really there hasn't been a true message that he's told us that he's given them. And uh, I think really that the main thing that they're doing is just focusing on the now. Teron Davenport, joining us here, covers the Titans for ESPN's NFL Nation. And Teron, Derrick Henry, obviously you didn't have the mileage on him this year that you've had in years past, obviously due to injury. But what's his kind of uh, physical condition heading into the postseason? Is he about as fresh as possible? Yeah, I mean, he's going to be fresh. And I, I think if you look at some of the things that came out of practice today, they actually wanted to get him involved in, in physical confrontations, right? It's been a while since he had that contact. In fact, it's been 78 days. So what did they do? Running back coach Tony Dews had a few of the defenders come over during individual period, and they're banging into him throughout the drills, and that is, again, to get him used to that contact. So I would say just from watching him able to work through that. Now, I'm not going to lie to you. There were times where he was clearly tired. He was gassed. But that's to be expected because it's been a while since he went through this process over and over again. But I would imagine Friday, I'd be surprised if they don't activate him. In fact, I'd be shocked. I've been told that that's been a foregone conclusion for a couple weeks now, and I would expect that decision to come on Friday. How how and, and what the, the question then becomes, uh, Teron, how how do they use him? I mean, obviously he's going to play. Tutu was not suiting up. I mean, just to be on the sideline as a decoy. It becomes like, uh, you know, how do you use him in the game? Is it is it more early downs to try to seal a win? Or how do you see Vrabel in that offense really trying to use uh, Derrick Henry this weekend? Yeah, I think it'll be more early downs, but I would imagine he's going to have kind of like that Kawhi Leonard load management uh, type of thing, and I, I could understand that. It's been, like I said, since October 31st that he's played. But I, I the other thing that, that does get to me, and I do think about is how much this team tends to go with the hot hand. And you see them do that, whether it be with the running backs or the receivers even. They, they, just, they find somebody that, that is starting to heat up, and they just keep going to them. So that being said, 
if Henry gets into a groove, I wouldn't be surprised if they just let him rock out. So, I mean, I would say anywhere from 10 to 15 carries. But, again, the flow of the game could, could make it a lot different, right? They could get out to an early lead and want to salt the game away by running the football and keep loading that wagon and, and doing that. And, I mean, what better way to defend that potent Bengals offense than to keep them off the field? Teron Davenport joining us here on 3 and Out. Teron, you look at the AFC playoffs and Bills blowout, uh, Chiefs blowout, uh, Cincinnati obviously first win uh, since uh, the early 90s in the playoffs. Titans obviously a team trying to build uh, to get to that Super Bowl. How wide open are these last four teams there in the AFC? How, I mean, is this is there a favorite in your mind, or is this anybody's ball game at this point? Uh, man, I really don't think there's a favorite. It's anybody's ball game. But I tell you what, those two quarterbacks in that other game is, man, those guys, I mean, they're coming off five touchdown performances. And they, they're, you know, playing at a, a, at a whole different level. But I really think it, it could go any way, man. And, and styles make fights. And, and the thing is, I think the Titans' style is pretty conducive to a win over the other three teams just because of that physicality aspect that they bring on both sides of the football. The Bills bring physicality, but not on offense. You know, not as much. When you have your quarterback as your primary rusher, I don't think that you can be an ultra-physical rushing attack. So that's where I think the Titans have the advantage. But it's really wide open, in my opinion. Speaking of quarterbacks, Ryan Tannehill obviously was able to right the ship with no Derrick Henry this year. Still had to go out there and make some big throws and key moments. If it comes down to the fact that he got to make a big throw, how confident is you know, uh, that offense and him, obviously he got the weapons with the guys like A.J. Brown, but how confident is the team thinking, knowing that, look, I know we used to ride 2022's back. Can we ride the back of Ryan Tannehill to get us there? You know, it's funny you mention that because that's exactly what I- I'm writing about today for tomorrow. It's going to post in the morning the confidence that Ryan Tannehill has. And I think coming off of that 287-yard, four-touchdown performance, it was the third time he had four passing touchdowns in a game you know, since he's been a Titan. And I think they're kind of riding high off of that. And then also the confidence and the connection, the chemistry that he and Julio Jones have had. You you saw some pretty tight window throws, and, and you saw him targeted nine times. He caught five of them. And that's really what you need is something on the opposite side of A.J. Brown as uh, coverage starts to roll his direction. So I think as a team, they are definitely – ultra-confident in Ryan Tannehill, and they believe that he's the guy that, you know, they can ride to the promised land. But make no mistake about it, that offense is still based off of throwing the football, but they're going to let Ryan Tannehill be a guy that not, not to kill you by a thousand paper cuts, but by huge gashes. And when I say that, I mean when you look at the two wins that they had. He had 29 pass attempts in those two wins, but he had three touchdowns. So that, that lets you know, you know, that he doesn't have to be a volume guy. He could kill you with, with big, big, big blows. And, Teron, finally, when you think about the city of Nashville, you know, home game. I mean, obviously, as I mentioned earlier, Verbal has created a nice winning culture up there in Nashville. How much better are the Titans at home? I mean, I know they're not going to – the Titans are in the division in the AFC South. is not going to get the fanfare of the, you know, the AFC East or the, you know, or the NFC South or what may have you. But being at home – you know, whatever the, whatever the weather's going to be like, you add Derrick Henry, you got the confidence of Ryan Tannehill, buy it in that defense. Those guys don't get enough credit for what they do when, we t- when they have blood in the water. How much can this fan base really help out come this weekend? I think they're going to be huge. And 
that's the thing. Even on the road, Titans fans, now I've covered this team. This is my fourth season. But this year is the most I've seen them behind this team. And there are times where you're on the road and you're like, dang, this is almost like a home game for them. So make no mistake about it. The Titans are 6-2 and two at home. Those fans packing that stadium, it's going to be it's going to be live. It's going to be loud. And there's only two names that they've ever chanted, you know, on the football field during Titans games. One was Eddie George. The other one was Derrick Henry. So just to, to have those Henry Henry chants going, I know that's going to charge them up. Getting loud when, when the defense is on the field, you know, to try to keep that offense from making their checks, that's going to be an advantage. And, you know, talking to the players, you know, Jeffrey Simmons, Kevin Byer, David Long, these guys can't wait to go out there and have that crowd behind them. Teron Davenport, Jorg is here on 3 and Out. Teron, we appreciate the time. Thanks so much. For sure. Appreciate you guys. Take care. Appreciate it. And he does a great job covering the Titans there uh, for uh, ESPN and their NFL nation. Uh, ben, as uh, your Titans, I know you said, hey, you only got a chance to get in the playoffs one time when you were there, but home field advantage? <laughs> How big is that against a, an upstart Cincinnati team that's obviously riding high? It's huge because <clears throat> everything is familiar. Um, you know, you're sleeping in your same bed. You know, well, you're sleeping in the hotel room the night before the game, but you're doing everything is the normal routine, Kevin. I mean, uh, you want to be able to share with your family. Your family understands how important the situation And you're used to this. You do this year in and year out. Now, this is the first year I think you've had the best record in the AFC. It's amazing what happens when, you know, a guy like Tom Brady goes over to the NFC. You get a chance to, you know, have the best record in the AFC. But uh, I think this team has has the confidence to go out there and get it done, to still have the best record minus not having uh, Derrick Henry most of the year, developing that uh, that confidence in Ryan Tannehill, a defense led by Simmons in, in, in the trenches that you talk about, you know, Bayern and those guys and, you know, Chris, Christian Fourth and those guys in the back end. Look. I mean, back when the Titans were, the, were really, really good before I got there, <clears throat> you know, I hate to say that, but but you know, uh, they had they had uh, you know uh, they had Eddie George, and I and and I didn't think I was somebody that big, that fast, that strong. And here it is, you know, Eddie George 2.0 developing a name for himself, Derrick Henry. Uh, he gets a chance, like you mentioned, Kevin. I mean, they're gonna give him the rock. They're gonna have to be very, very careful because energy and enthusiasm can only take you so much. Fatigue will set in, but I do think being at home in Nashville. You know, I think they got as good a shot as any, you know, sports. Well, was, I think it's Sports Authority uh, field now. It's been, dude, it's been, it was it was a Coliseum when I first got there. It was an LP field before I left. It's been 100. Anybody that got some money, come give it to the Titans Stadium. They will put the name on it. But, no, I do think the Titans got good as a shot as any because you're in a small market. You're in a small market, uh, you know, city or small market team. But you got a chance to make some strides, Kevin. Hopefully, you can add to them blowouts uh, this postseason. Yeah, we've got more to come here. Three and out all across. the South. Kevin Thomas, Ben Troop, glad you're with us. Here on 3 and Out, love to hear from you on Twitter at Pigskin Radio, streaming live as well, ESPNCoastal.com. Also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube streaming live, so we encourage you to check us out there. Or if you miss any portion of the show, you can go back and uh, watch the show or listen to it there at uh, ESPNCoastal.com or on uh, YouTube uh, especially. Ben, NFL weekend, we are just talking about the uh, Titans who sat back and watched like the rest of us. So did Aaron Rodgers, I think I heard Aaron Rodgers say, hey, I'm just going to clean my house. So I haven't been home. I got He's off a lie. He know he ain't going to clean his house. <laughs> Big as a house. He might have he cleaned his room. We ain't yeah. cleaned no house. Yeah, you got uh, got to get that honey-do <laughs> list caught up uh, there for Aaron Rodgers. But some, some storylines, obviously, out of uh, the first weekend, uh, the NFL playoffs. Have we seen the last of Big Ben? I know, obviously, he's not coming back to Pittsburgh. Do you think he is done, period? And is he one of those guys that one team – 
let it be. I know he didn't say he was done, but it, it would feel bad. I feel bad for me. It would feel weird to see him on another team. I know he holds a special place in your heart because you always talk about Ben say 2004 hey, old draft, old, class yeah, old draft class Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, th- I think so, Kevin. And this is the thing. When uh, Phillip Rivers played last year, um, when he played a couple of years ago, uh, his last year, Father Time hadn't caught up to him. He could still play. Actually led the Colts to the playoffs. And obviously wanting to move on uh, with his life. Ben Rosenberger, I mean, the product on the field isn't there anymore. Like, Father Time is undefeated. And I think the hardest thing for any player to do is to know when to bow out. Like, no no, no player wants to bow out gracefully, but I think that's, a, that's you know, that's athletic maturity. That's not something most players have <clears throat> when you're much younger. So I think with a guy like Ben Rosenberger, Kevin, I mean, think about it. Last, two years ago, they had the best record in the, in the, in the, in the NFL. And no one, you know, for most of the for most of the year, it got blown out of the playoffs by Cleveland. So I think if you are being Rosenberger, there is something to say for being a being a lifer. Like it's hard to be on one team now with the money that the players can get, with the position that he's played. But look, three Super Bowl appearances, one Super, I mean, two Super Bowl championships. I mean, the, the most passing yards uh, in, in Steelers history. I think the most wins in Steelers history. Got Mike Tomlin in Super Bowl. So yeah, if being Rosenberger does, you know, go quietly into the night. You know, he he's done all you can do as a player because, Kevin, you know, just like I know, they they are looking for any reason to remember you for your worst tape. Don't be putting <laughs> that bad tape out there. I mean, you gave you gave the league 18 years. You've, you've last – I think he's the last remaining player of the 04 draft class. So the, the fact that our class made it 18 years, man, shout out to O.B. and Rosenberg. Yeah, absolutely. Some other things, obviously, that's been talked about uh, at, uh, at Hawk, and uh, I will uh, probably get Cam to smile with this take, but the Cowboys obviously suck in the clutch. I mean, they, they were not good, uh, obviously, when it, when it mattered uh, most at the end, kind of uh, undone. Again, I'm not a cursed guy. I'm not a cursed guy. You know that. But, again, obviously the Cowboys are now getting that rep of can't get it done. I don't know why. They've got Super Bowl championships that would say otherwise. But this iteration of the Cowboys, for whatever reason, Cannot seem to get it done in the postseason. Perception versus reality. <clears throat> That's what I think of when I think of the Cowboys, right? The perception of it is they got a lot of star power. Reality is they can't put it together when they need to. Every time Dallas loses, everybody's fault but Dallas. It's not Dak's fault. It's not CeeDee Lamb's fault. It's not, you know, uh, you know, it's not Michael Parsons' fault. It's not. They're, they put up a tape of, uh, of, uh, Stephon, I mean, uh, what, uh, Trey Diggs. I'm sorry, not Stephon's little brother. I mean, Tron Diggs. He had 11 picks in the regular season. People look, at, people look at the production and think, oh, that's the type of player he is. They showed him against San Francisco, and it was embarrassing. He didn't want no smoke. It's almost like, it's almost like when Diggs wasn't making plays, you know, uh, uh, you on know, defense, like, uh, you know, making picks, he wasn't even out there. Ezekiel Elliott had 1,000 yards. He had 1,000, like, two yards. That means he averaged, like, 60-some yards a game. The thing, about, the thing about playing for Dallas, you know, just like I know, Kevin, it's prestigious. The most prestigious quarterback or the, the most prestigious position in the NFL is the starting quarterback for Dallas. You don't believe me? Tony Romo was in the booth with Nance. How did he get there? He played for Dallas. It's not like people go, oh, my God, he's this great commentator. No, they put him with one of the best in the business. So when you play for Dallas at the quarterback position, and I'm not saying Dak is a good because he is, a lot comes with that. But just because you got the star on your helmet on the side of it doesn't mean you're going to start. It was bad. And Jimmy Garoppolo did all he could to give the game back to Dallas. But, Dak, there are certain things I'm always going to remember. One, Donovan McNabb said, I did not know you could tie in football. You know who mm-hmm. said that this year? Najee, Najee Harris. You know, Ricky running back, Ricky first round running back out of Alabama to Pittsburgh. You know what? I also seen the butt fumble. 
I also seen Dan Orlowski run out the back of the end zone. And I also saw Dak Prescott scramble with the football, get up, and spot the ball. And to me, that is Dallas. That is Dallas right there, Kevin. It's almost like the fan base is rampant. They all over. It's, some, it's somebody in the mountains of Georgia uh, that's a Dallas Cowboy fan. I get it. But Dallas loses for us because we, we, we love the pile on, man. I know Stephen A. Smith somewhere laughing his behind off of your Dallas. You had, listen, listen, and listen. We are who they thought they were, and we did not let you off the hook. You showed us <laughs> who you were, and yes, and yes, for, for another year, Kevin, the uh, Super Bowl, the Super Bowl appearance. I mean, uh, who's going to go to the Super Bowl next year, twenty twenty two? It's going to be the Cowboys until you get to the playoffs. <laughs> also, again, another thing that came out of uh, Week One, I've been the Bills' unbelievable performance. I think people said, "Hey, Buffalo." I mean, this is the same team that couldn't beat the Jags, right? I mean, right? This this is the same team, same players. That went into hapless Jacksonville for number one overall pick, having Jacksonville, and could not beat them. Uh, they could not score. Not, couldn't score hardly against that Jacksonville team. They go out and just absolutely lay the hammer on the New England Patriots. So much that 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 one wasn't even close. Is Buffalo for real, or was New England just not quite ready for prime time in this new uh, iteration of players? I would say both. I would say both. But uh, Buffalo has grown up. Uh, before our eyes, Josh Allen is a guy out of Wyoming who I, I every time I talk about, I got to you know I yeah. got to apologize to him because I mean Kevin the guy's good right? He was an MVP candidate uh, what two years ago already signed and extension was in the same class with Sam Darnold was in the same class you know with Baker Mayfield with Lamar Jackson he's already signed his extension and that's based off what he's done on the field. Ah, Buffalo, woo! They laid a ooh, they open up a can they open up a whole aisle on, <laughs> on freaking. Uh, on freaking New England, but I think that Buffalo just put the put the league on notice. We coming, man. We got the defense. We got the running game. We got the quarterback. Because for as much as we make about the Russell Wilsons or the Cam Newtons or the Lamar Jacksons of the world or the Daxons of the world who use their feet, have you seen Josh Allen run with the football? I mean, he's running over guys. That's 6'5", 250 coming downhill at you. So, yes, Buffalo looked extremely impressive and at insult of the injury. Uh, they threw a touchdown pass to an offensive lineman at the end of the game to show and look, and look at Bill Belichick like, yeah. hey man, you know, and Bill Belichick was asked, is he going to tie? And unfortunately, people, to let the Dallas Cowboys, he will be back. He <laughs> he's not. He's not going anywhere. But no, no the, I think that matchup this week is. Uh, we talked earlier. You know, Buffalo and Kansas City. Uh, that one's going to be wild. And again, I think that's going to be potentially for Josh Allen. That could be the. The nemesis that stands in his way. You got to knock that Kansas City team down, much like we saw the Peyton Manning and and Tom Brady thing. Is this Josh Allen v. Pat Mahomes mm-hmm. going to be one of those things? Where it's like, yeah. hey, Josh, if you want to get it done, he you're going to have to beat Pat Mahomes at some point in some round of the playoffs uh, to get it done. One other thing, Ben, uh, here in this segment uh, before we step aside in, in weekend one. I mean, I'm just, I shouldn't be surprised. But I'm just going to say Tom Brady. I mean, like, th- that dude, he said as a – I thought it was a joke. <laughs> hey, I'm going to play Tom 50. Mm-hmm. Come on, man. You'll be broken half. Mm-hmm. Well, not only did he throw the most touchdown passes, mm-hmm. he threw two more than anybody else and goes out there just, just hey, that? hey, Tom, you don't get to buy this this year because we expanded the playoffs. Oh, that's fine. And goes out there and just has another tremendous game. I mean, how do you explain it at this point? Because it's two two different franchises. Two different teams, and even the Bucks. People said this year, oh, they're showing some weakness. I know what Tristan Wirfs, maybe, it, but hadn't seemed to matter. You missed some guys. You said, oh, his line uh, getting banged up might 
Nope, it didn't. Uh, he he still came out there and, and balled like Tom Brady. I mean, there's there there are those certain players, right, Kevin? Like, I mean, you know, we like Derek Jeter, right? Derek Jeter, I don't remember him having many bad moments in baseball. He played a long time, but when you needed a hit, clutch, right? Every, it's like every single time, and a lifer. Once again, one, you know, and a lifer. When you think about Tom Brady, right? Tom Brady has did this in so many different ways. Tom Brady used to win when the offense wasn't that good. He had to defer to the defense. Tom Brady also did it when, you know, he did it with the run game. He also did it with a slot receiver and two tight ends. Tom Brady says, give me 10 guys that believe. No Antonio Brown, no Chris Godwin, no Leonard Fournette, no problem. Because I have helped develop the coach. It's not Bruce Arians. It's, it's Tom. And, Kevin, they made it look easy, right? I mean, when I said 17-0 going to have, there is 0% chance that Tom Brady He's going to give up a 17-point lead. I don't care who is on that other team. So, yeah, yeah. look, look, Kevin, he's one of those guys that said, look, until I'm out of here, I will leave no doubt. Yeah, you go, guys, you, you know, you, we're going to talk about the Josh Allen. We're going to talk about the Patrick Mahomes. You know, we're going to talk about the Joe Burns. They're, they're, those are feel-good stories. I am the story. And you got a guy by the name of Gronk out there. Might, we're number 87. Might want to try to cover that guy, Mike Evans. So, yeah, it, it's, 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 I mean, different years, same result. Kevin, listen, Vita Vea, please leave those offensive guards alone. My goodness, Vita Vea and Dominic Sue, they was unleashing on those guards. But, yes, Kevin, different years, same result. Tampa said, look, man, y'all talking about all these other quarterbacks like we ain't host the Super Bowl we won in. Talk about them and watch what happened when they have to meet us. And the only way they're going to meet those other guys is in the Super Bowl. Yeah, unbelievable performance there. Uh, once again by Tampa Bay, and Tom Brady just keeps doing it. And who knows when he's going to call it. We've got more to come. It's three and out. On the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Welcome back. Three and out here on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Kevin Thomas, Ben Troop. Glad you're with us here on this Tuesday. A lot to get to uh, coming up here on the show. But Ben, something I thought was kind of interesting, we've seen in sports. For all the, everybody likes to play the we're cursed card. Uh, because And it's a conspiracy. And again, maybe Christian will come over to my side because he used to do it with Georgia football. It's like, oh, it's just, it's just, it's just something that's not bound to happen. It's, you know. People like to play up that we're, we're a cursed card. And it's, it's uh, everything's rooting against us and doing this and that. And in the past couple months, we've seen the Atlanta Braves mm-hmm. win a World Series for the first time in 20, what, 25 years. You saw George Bulldogs win a national championship for the first time in 41 years. We saw the Cincinnati Bengals win a playoff game for the first time in 30-some-odd years. And we saw Matthew Stafford win a playoff game. For the first time ever. <laughs> so it seems like in the last little bit, we're seeing a lot of big streaks, big firsts go down by the wayside. Ain't no curses. Mm-hmm. Stop saying you're cursed. Mm-hmm. Maybe you're cursed because you walk around saying we're cursed. Yep. Uh, and, and you wear that mantle of, I mean, Falcons fans are the worst. I know there's some. I grew up in the city of Atlanta, Ben. There, there's some Falcons fans, a lot more college football fans uh, in Atlanta. But Falcons fans walk around, whoa, whoa, is us. It's us. No, ain't no curses. You didn't make plays. 20, 20, 28 to 3? You know what curse you have to blame? Blame it on yourself yep. because you're up 28 to 3 and didn't win. Pessimism. <laughs> See what happens? See, uh, you did, and, and, that, and that's what it really is, right? Like, we, you go, you've grown so far uh, without seeing something you think it's not going to happen. Well, it, it, it does, it's not going to happen until it happens. You can, you, can, you, can, and you can, all this started with the Braves, all right? Because, look, I get it. Georgia, Georgia saw what the Braves did. It was like, look, because the Braves had to overcome. The freaking Dodgers. Then you talk about what they had to overcome with the freaking Astros. Yeah. Then you talk about doing this with three guys you got to trade that line. No Ronald Acuna Jr. 
Like it was it was a lot of things that went into it. But and the Braves had to overcome their own adversity with Marcelo Zuna, you know, and different things. Yeah. You know, uh, no Mike Faux Navies the whole season. Still got it done. Still got it done. Georgia exercised a lot of demons. A lot. I mean, I, we got beat writers on here telling their age, man, I'm 38 years old. I ain't never, yeah. which, which is cool. Then, and then you talk about you talk about the Cincinnati Bengals. You talk about Matthew Stafford. But this is what happens, you know, when you talk, when you, when you, when you putting together a winning culture. People don't see what Alex Anthopoulos built in that land of man. They, it took him four years to get to this point. People don't look at what, what Kirby Smart did. It took him six years to get to this point. Cincinnati, my God. It took forever to get back to this point. No Carson Wentz, no TJ Huchmazada, no Chad Ochocinco, no Rudy Johnson, so on and so forth. They do it with the new school guys. So, yes, Kevin, I, 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 you, have, you have won me over. It's almost like most people don't even know what curses are. They just go with the, they just go with the uh, you know, they, they, they just hear everybody saying they just fall in line. Look, man, the only thing that's supposed to go with the flow is dead fish. Create your own flow. A lot of this stuff, it's all in your mind. And Cincinnati, look, Joe Burrow went out there and said, listen, man, people about to get used to this because this is going to be the norm from now on. Why would I say anything else? What am I supposed to say? Yeah, man, we look, we appreciate it. When in our first playoffs game, we finna go back to the dark, dark ages. We don't know about the dark ages here, you know? Last time I was in college, I went undefeated. And I brought that culture to Cincinnati. Got hurt my first year. You give me a tackle the next year, playoffs. So, yes, Kevin, I do agree. It's, it's, it's more or less these, uh, these narratives. Listen, man, a lot don't care who tell it. So don't be the one telling it. These, these are blatant lies, false narratives, things that aren't true. If you win in games, you ain't talking. Listen, New England don't think it's a losing culture just because they didn't make the playoffs last year, made the playoffs this year, and got beat. They, they looking at what they got to bring in to keep it going. If you are the Bills, they want to keep it going. If you want Cincinnati, you want to keep it going. If you Georgia, hey, they are already recruiting number one, number two, or top three in recruiting. They want to be able to go out there and reload, bringing guys back. You know, so yes, Kevin, there are no, there are. Listen, I mean, there, you know, there are no curses. Just wins and losses. Got to win more than you lose. Got to win the games that matter. Got to win on the biggest stage, and then you ain't making these excuses. Joe Flacco won the Super Bowl, and he had, and he had to do it in the AFC, right? Russell Wilson won the Super Bowl. He had to do it in the NFC. He had to go, had to go up against Peyton Manning. If you want it, the same. Listen, the reason why I want it is, is, is excuses when you lose. Don't want it now. Excuses were were thrown out there. You know, only reason why we ain't win because we lost. I get it. That's most people. But I. But yes, Kevin. You know, uh, there are. You know, I, I want to hear about streaks. I, we, we can talk about those. <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to hear about no curse. But yes, Kevin. A lot of first happened in the last week, and hopefully, you know, and just, we, we can thank the Braves for that. You know, yeah. It's just. It's just. I'm just saying for all the folks walking around and calling the show. What was us? I mean, we had. The host of second downs, woe's us. It's just something always happens for Georgia. Can't do it. Well, what happened? I mean, again, that's that's one of those things where, again, you can look around and you can say it's some kind of mythological curse that uh, your team can't win, or you can say, you know what? At some point, you just got to make a play. Uh, and Georgia did that against Alabama. Again, again it, it literally was as simple as that, right? Yeah. What was the difference in them beating Alabama? Alabama jumped off sides. Stetson could have just thrown the ball on the turf, right? We'll take our five yards. No, we made a play. A.D. Mitchell made a play back in the end zone. That's that's what happens. That's how you stop that kind of stuff. Yeah. Braves could. I mean, Braves could have folded, right? They could have folded against the, 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 the Dodgers. How do you stop that stuff? Boom, homers. You could have folded against. You could have been up and folded against the Astros. Game came on. Game came up. Hey, let's not waste time. Jorge Soler hits one to Mars, and that's it. Game's over, right? The game's over at that point. Nothing left to be said. So it all just comes down to you need to make a play. 
to stem the tide, and we've seen it in 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 multiple cases here uh, with Matt Stafford, with Cincinnati, with Georgia, with the Braves, what have you. Ain't no curses. I just no. want to take a time to take my get on my ain't no curses soapbox <laughs> and, and share it with the masses because again, yeah, no, yeah, no. Any time you lose more than like two years in a row, everybody's like, oh, we're cursed. We haven't won it in, in you know three years. Shut up with that. And just go go make a point. I mean, I mean, I mean, you think Vanderbilt want to hear about curses? <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm just being honest. No, that like, may actually be. Well, it might no, be. I'm just it might, well, well the, just curse, the curse could be we only give our coaches five years to get it. What the hell? Yeah, yeah. If they can't turn it around in five years, are you serious? Yeah. Like, but no, but but no, Kevin. I mean, when you think about it too, though, sometimes it takes seeing those things. It, it, it's something to be said about Matthew Stafford and Cincinnati and the Braves. Now that and would the Bulldogs. be the, I just thought of something. That would be the ultimate. Nick Saban just win you another title at Bama, whatever. And then when he says, "Look, I got about three or four years left," Nick, go coach at Vanderbilt. See if you could turn that program into a champion. Now that might be a curse buster. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. But no, I I do agree. I mean, look, by and large, teams that are knocking on the door of winning something, and there's people saying, "Oh, we just can't do it. We just can't do it." I mean, how many people last year were saying the Milwaukee Bucks are not going to win a championship? Why? Say, yeah, because that, it's that, because it's because they can't beat LeBron and I mean, super I mean, teams and, and all that. And, and you know, and that just shows you. I mean, no one even no one cared when Toronto won it, right? We had like they didn't do it. Toronto won. Yeah. But I I I will say this, Kevin. We we have gotten used to seeing certain teams do it. Right? You know what will really change the world? Dallas Cowboys winning. <laughs> that would change it, but we don't got to worry about that. Gas prices are already coming down. The economy will come oh, back around. My gosh. I'm just saying, man, clean air. I'm just it'd be all kind of stuff. So the Cowboys and the Cowboys. Once again, it ain't the Cowboys, it's the Cowboys fans. So how about them Cowboys? Yeah. They will be on their lovely couch watching the rest of the play. I, I will say I'm a fan of fan memes. Like just, I mean, because everybody's been there, but you see the pictures of the the teams losing. I'm like, I saw the one girl crying. I'm like, are you crying at a professional football game where the players are getting paid to make plays? Like, cry because you paid, cry because you paid all that money to sit there, right? I mean, don't don't be crying because your team lost. Be like, man, I paid all this money my team to win. They're getting paid to play. At least in college, you could be like, this is my school. Well, I love it. Well, I mean, I guess that kind of play. Yeah, yeah, now the players aren't getting paid there too, but I mean, at least you know you can say, "Hey, it's we're all in this." Rah rah, sisping by the, the pros. I love the Cowboys. They're getting paid. Make a play. Yeah, make. Yeah, no, how long it takes you to snap a football? Digs. Parsons. The guys wearing striped suits have to say when the play's ready to go. Yeah, yeah, Dak. Listen to me. <laughs> I mean, I know, I know, we have to do it. This is football one on one. Listen, never in the history of football, never. You, you, you pick the ball up, you look for the guy with the striped shirt, look like a zebra, and you throw it to him. Because the thing was, Dak is looking shocked, like, what is he doing? What he's always done. He always downs the ball. You know why? Well, because that's the rule. The ball, and he has to blow a whistle. He has to <laughs> swing his arm, you know, you know, in a circle. And then that's called plays ready. Not, I mean, I'm Dak. I'm just going to, listen, next play, I'm just going to spot this one. Who the hell is you? I'm Dak. No. Dakota. Did you go? Real did you, you go through the, uh, the officiating school? All, all I'm saying is, Kevin, no, Kevin, no, Kevin, no, no, Kevin, no. If you, Kevin, if you go over to, you know, to, to pop one football, your quarterback can't do that. And when he comes to the <laughs> sideline, you go, what are you doing, son? I was spotting the ball. You a ref? I'm a ref and a coach. Well, that's the only way you can spot the ball. So what you got on, yeah, I got on ref pads, the, the but I got, early, on, I got on shoulder pads. No. The early days of football, you know, don't touch the football. The ref will take care of the it. Cowboys the Cowboys got yeah. sent to the crib by Jimmy Garoppolo. Womp, womp. <laughs> <laughs> On that note. We'll come back. We got more to come. Ben will take you home here. It's three down on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network.